Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome back to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thanks so much for being with us here on episode number 96 here on monday august 27th 2018 i am joe Murata. that of course is the one and only michael quinn how you doing there michael uh howdy doody howdy doody michael 1996 things are about to get interesting it's not the 1996th episode it's just yeah we're talking about the year right we'll be talking about the year 1996 we'll romp you through the world of retro wrestling in the meantime but before we get to any of that want to first of all thank you for being back with us here it's great to have you with us as always you can reach us on twitter at ovp podcast you can follow us there it'll be a great time you can also email us at ovp podcast at gmail.com that is ovp podcast at gmail.com but there's a great place. It's a friendly community on the Facebook. You can interact with me and Quinn and a bunch of other retro wrestling fanatics. Quinn, how might they find that? Well, you go over to facebook.web.friends. Yep. Um, in the search bar, you type our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast. And then the page will show up. You hit join and the, the members, you know, you want to be a member. Members only. Members only. No jack You want to become a member. It's free. It's free membership. Free membership. You just hit join and we approve you and hooray, huzzah. Blammo. 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 <laughs> Big bang, boom. <laughs> There's a lot of hijinks there, Michael. Yeah. It's a fun time. You know, yeah. we, we get into the very important topics such as entrance music and dark yeah. matches and things right. like that. Uh, there's uh, funny gifts sometimes. The funny. comings and goings of YouTube. Yeah. And people, you know, videos going up and down. Yeah, it's a good time. So yeah. join it. Whether you are a, a fan for the last 40 years, whether you were only a fan four years ago, whether you like the current and the retro, maybe you're learning about retro wrestling's past, just join the group where it's a friendly time. It'll be a really fun time. And in a little while later on the show, we'll have some information on our Patreon and some friends of the show and some other things you can check out. But Quinn, we have been doing something all season long in celebration of the 90s, which is obviously the greatest decade to be a wrestling fan. Definitely. Well, it's the the decade we were fans. (laughs) Yeah, that's really what it is. Um, Yeah. We're celebrating that, you know, in all aspects of 90s wrestling. And we've been doing a little thing called 90s in a nutshell. So last week, last year in 1995, there were some things that happened, one of which is Hulkamania runs mild in WCW. It's the diesel era, baby. Monthly pay-per-views all across the board. And Monday Nitro. That's 1995 in a nutshell. Let's go to 1996 in a nutshell. Welcome, everybody. The revolutionary force in sports entertainment. As the biggest night in the history of this great organization. Good guys versus bad guys. The WCW. New World Order. It sucks. 
96 in a nutshell. Wow, Quinn, this is a year that things actually get better after last year. Surprisingly. It's going to be, It's there's some rough patches. Well, I'm sure we'll get into them, but 1996 was a pivotal year for the uh, North American professional wrestling, Michael. It's uh, a year lots of, of things. recovery. Um, yeah, it's not, that. it's not the best year. No. Well, some people would say for WCW it might be. It but, might be, yeah. But, but um, WWF yeah. Was, uh, was in a bit of a rut, and they actually started off. 1996 in January was the first of the Billionaire Ted skits. That's unfortunate. It is. Now, these folks were where Vince McMahon decided that he was going to be really mature and mm-hmm. mock Ted Turner, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, and Gene Okerlund through a series of not funny vignettes. This is where the big boys play. Yeah, I like that. Always a good idea when Vince um, tries to be funny. Always. Um, Very good. He's so good at it. Yep. And, and this, this is just embarrassing. It's like your friend who stinks at making jokes, <laughs> like making joke, but like on TV every yeah, right. week, For on national television. You know what the problem was, too? They led this to a WrestleMania match, where, and it wound up being on the free-for-all, but that's not what this is designed for. Like, yeah. as a 10-year-old watching this, right? You're like, what is this? I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. They made fun of Hulk Hogan. But then I saw it every single week. And then yeah. they just started making fun of Ted Turner on a personal level. It was dumb. It, made it was no so sense. cringy, too. Like, they were poorly acted. So you know, Vince Russo with floppy hair. It's like, <laughs> but he, How like, come they, their wrestlers are stealing all of our wrestlers? <laughs> yeah. Whatever he says. Yeah, yeah. With a stupid mustache. It's yeah. All fat. They've got better athletes. All we've got are the disloyal, greedy, has-beens from the 80s. Honestly, <laughs> think of the kids, all right, that don't know who the hell Ted Turner is, that don't care about his personal life and, and all this. And fans might not even know yeah. who Macho, I'm serious, yes. like, people, like, just coming on, like, in, like for new people, you want to attract new fans, right? It's Awful. A, a boom is, is starting to slowly develop. Yes. And you want to attract new fans, and this is what you, what you put on. Just brutal. I mean, it didn't accomplish anything good for the WWF. It looked so petty, and uh, what a way to open up the year, Quinn, but WCW had some stuff going on in February. They had Super Brawl 6. Some right. normal things happened. Hulk Hogan defeated the Giant, which, eh. Uh, Ric Flair actually defeated Randy Savage for the WCW World Heavyweight title at Super Brawl 6. So That's cool. A little, uh, little I mean, pickup. I, I didn't mind that feud, actually. I didn't either. It was a little pickup from the 92 feud that they had started in uh, 95. Yeah, and I actually like the continuation also of the Elizabeth part of it, where yes. she's like stole his money from the divorce, yep. and then she's under the influence of woman. Yeah, like, that's, and her act- and, that's cool. Her and woman are with Ric Flair. Yeah. Uh, Pillman, Brian Pillman, who was by this point a loose cannon, right. had the I Respect You strap match with Kevin Sullivan. This is where Pillman somewhat uh, famously said, I respect you, Booker Man. Yes, and this is as opposed to the Yappa Pie strap match that'd be (laughs) later on. No Yappa Pie. This is no Yappa Pie. This is just a regular. This feud was cool because it was kind of like hardcore before that was a thing. Yes, it was. It would get. It would. Sullivan would do a similar thing with uh, Chris Voldemort later on. Yes, in '97. Yeah, and I just, I, I really like this. I like the idea of like it getting personal with Sullivan because they took that that goofy Taskmaster character and kind of brought him down to earth and made him Thankfully, real. Yeah, I know. And, and Sullivan's good when he's like that. Like, he's much better than that, than lording over a bunch of idiots like the shark and Kamala. Because there's yeah. something tough about him, almost Taz-like, if you will. Well, they're both short, stout, and have the weird voice. They even have, like, <laughs> almost the same attire. Yeah. Like, so, I'm just saying. But that was where Pillman... Uh, then negotiated his release with WCW and pretty much pulled off one of the most heroic things. He basically convinced WCW to give him his release as part of the storyline, when in reality, 
he wanted out. And because it's WCW and they're you dumb, don't, you don't see them anymore. Yeah. They gave him his release. He really wanted it. Yeah. And, and he, he went to the ECW. And he first. went to the ECW. Yeah. Right. And eventually WWF will get him. We'll, we'll get to that. So that happened. And also, of course, when very importantly is Conan defeated the one man gang. The long national nightmare of one man gang is the champion. Uh, the U.S. You know, champion yes. is over. That was gang. weird. And Conan as so the U.S. Weird. champion. It was like nobody knew who he was yet. It was a very strange period yeah. of time. I think he was still like superhero Max Moon version of him or whatever. Kind of. Yeah. He was like morphing into Viva La Raza, but yeah. not quite yet. Uh, in March, it was WrestleMania 12. This is a pretty notable WrestleMania. I wouldn't call it a very good one. Uh, oh, it stinks other than the main event, I yeah, would say. Honestly, I mean, you had, this is the OJ footage with the Goldust versus Roddy Piper. Yep. That was a wonderful idea. Again, Vince trying to be funny. But you know what would have been great is if that was Razor Ramon versus Goldust as planned. Yeah. And Razor like didn't get drugs or leave or whatever he did. Maybe he thought it was too icky. <laughs> too icky. He was I don't know. very mad about it. He in, was in the K-Fob. Uh, Ultimate Warrior returned. This when... was going to be, I thought this was going to be the biggest deal of the year at so the time. I. Yeah, so uh, I. I mean, he's been gone forever. And yeah, for over he, almost four years. He looked like he was in good shape when he came back he and you yeah. were like, Okay, Warrior's ready to go, and uh, he just sucked balls. He kills Triple H, and it's all downhill from there after WrestleMania 12. He doesn't 12. want to do business. He's he's just being old Ultimate Warrior with Vince again. Yeah, the only difference is that, like he says, ass in his yeah. promos. The belief that at the king of the ring, I'm going to kick your ass. But they feuded him with Jerry Lawler. Which yeah. that's not going to do anyone any favors in '96. Right. They had that horrible match with Goldust, where he Goldust was injured, and they still did the match anyway. And it's just like walking around the ring for ten minutes. Right, horrible. Big story of WrestleMania 12. Obviously, the one people remember is that in a 60 minute plus Iron Man match, unprecedented for the WWF on TV. Anyway, right. Bret Hart uh, defended and lost the world title to Shawn Michaels. I'll, I'll leave all of my personal comments in the overtime period. Quinn <laughs> out of this. Hey, it's WrestleMania, man. You can't end it like this. I think Monsoon made a solid decision there. You know, Gorilla Monsoon screwed me. <laughs> they said it was supposed to be a 60-minute match. It was 60 minutes, and Sean didn't beat 60 me. 60 in three minutes or something. It wasn't that dramatic. Now, all Brett versus Sean type of stuff aside, the match, Quinn, I mean, it was great, but it's not an all-time great, in my opinion. To me, it's not because of the fact that it's not rewatchable. When you it's have hard a, to rewatch. When you have a time limit and there's supposed to be multiple falls and you know the outcome right. it's stupid yeah, yeah i can give you I, that i find honestly personally all iron man matches are unwatchable after you see them once not even from like uh, i want to appreciate this no it's just I hard think most of them are poor really because it's like a baseball game right if you know what the score mm. is at the end you know that eventually a pinfall is going to be scored at x time and there's going to be it's this fair. many pinfall like i feel like iron man matches are the most unrewatchable matches in all of wrestling you know i heard a rumor quinn that when this match aired on March 31st, 1996, you were sitting uh, oh, with your I was, red Shawn Michaels gloves on and cheering, uh, hoping, cheering around the house for this guy. Hoping and praying Shawn Michaels would win. I was, you know, when the 60-minute clock expired, I was, oh, man, I was like, damn it, we need Monsoon. Like, I, I was actually, like, calling for it. You were, huh? I was like, because they were like, no, not this way on commentary. <laughs> like, I was like, it was so good at the time and I just wanted Sean to get win the big one for once he, he, he brought out Jose Lothario ugh. he went back into I wish he would have left him wherever he found Brett him Brett did his shitty training hey in, in don't Canada, you make fun you where he almost slipped on the ice <laughs> <laughs> they filmed me <laughs> and Stu was like beating him up I'm gonna put you in a, in a chicken wing there yeah. you make, it, make your eyeballs pop out of your head both of them did what they had to do no, I don't know if Brett had to do that <laughs> yeah. they filmed my dad beating me up meanwhile Sean's doing upside down 
pull-ups. Yeah. They got me running on the ice there. It was clear who was in better shape. But I kept <laughs> up with that little bastard. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. But I mean, hell of an effort from both guys. Yeah, no, it was good. All Honestly, aside. it really was. But yeah. yeah, in my mind too, even I could rewatch it. The thing about Brett is they never quite meshed. He never quite meshed with Sean yeah. the way you would really hope they would. I think that's ultimately what needs to be talked about. And like, I feel like that's almost a topic for another day. It was like almost like a controversial opinion is like Brett and Sean didn't have good chemistry. They didn't. They almost did. Yeah. Like, like they both knew how to wrestle really well. They on paper. Yeah. And like in practice, it's like every time they fought, it was something. It was like, underwhelming. Yeah. In any regard, right? Yeah. It was never, they never had that one match where, where they blew you away entirely. It was always solid fundamentally sound good selling good execution maybe mm-hmm. even excellence of execution but just there was this one intangible missing and i think what you said it's just that chemistry brett had it with austin michaels yeah. had it with uh, no one i think almost people wanted it so bad joe they wanted the chemistry so bad that they blamed one or the other yeah i think that's part of it and i don't think it's either person's fault yeah, you know exactly. honestly yeah I, because they both had great chemistry with other people. Right. Just was not the perfect match, but very good. Uh, in April, though, let's move over to the WCW. This is notable. On the April 15th Monday Nitro, Hulk Hogan defeated Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan in a handicap match because, of course, he did. Oh, wait a minute! Hulk Hogan hits the ring! Arn Anderson and the Taskmaster immediately globbed him! Yeah? Good! And this would actually be, Quinn... Hulk Hogan's last WCW appearance on TV for several months. Now, this was part of the whole thing where Hogan's mustache got shaved off and he went dark Hogan for a minute. Yeah, but he was back to red and yellow by now. Right, but he had turned... He was angrier. He was angrier Hogan and... Jimmy Hart had turned on him. Right, he was kind of like... He's getting beat up a little bit, you know? Yeah. He uh, he needed a bit of a break. A little bit of a beaten down Hulkster, if you will. So we wouldn't see Hogan again on WCW TV for a few months, which was a nice, refreshing change. Uh, In May, though, all hell broke loose. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash wrestled their last WF matches on May 19th at the MSG House Show, of course, culminating in the infamous MSG Click incident, which we've talked about before. Oh, they're doing it! <laughs> oh, my God! Yeah. This was where uh, Shawn Michaels had defeated Diesel. That was the end of their feud there. And Triple H came out and Razor Ramon came out. And uh, this guy in the crowd lost it. Oh, wow. You have that on demand? I do actually have that on demand. So basically what happened is the four of them had a nice little group hug. Oh, so nice. You know, we're not going to be uh, wrestlers anymore. All co- I mean, we're not going to wrestle H together. There. Yeah, like, everyone's like, what? And some people were like, this is the worst thing to ever happen in the history of wrestling. Shut up. Those people aren't really right. Whether it was good or bad, I think it's kind of neither here nor there. It gave them good fodder for later on down the road. It's in just DX a house show. I mean, like. We look at it now and no one cares, but yeah. back then, I guess, maybe it was, oh boy, but I I look back at it, it's a blip on it's the radar. Blip, it's honestly. Not, it's really not as big of a deal as... As it's been made out to be sometimes. There's bigger things that have happened in non-kayfabe yeah. in the 90s even, I think. Like the Montreal Screwjob, right. for example. Yeah, it's like, this is, it's not, this is small potatoes. Yeah, it was a little maybe self, self-congratulatory, self a little bit self-absorbed. But they but, were, again, not the, on TV. I I, like It's not like they Doesn't were... It, they were so, somewhat respectful about it, like as, as respectful as you can be for doing this. It was right? just like a goodbye to the fans, yeah. basically. It was they like, do this all the time nowadays. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Stephanie comes out and announces the all-women's pay-per-view. Everyone hugs. Yeah. Heels and faces yeah, like, hug. Shut up. Yeah, like, I totally agree with you. It's like, the, and this, it's not because of this either. No, it was just something that kind of grew. Like, <laughs> yeah. as the fans got more to know the people behind the scenes, they this almost became a thing you did for the fans, surprisingly. Right. like, And this wasn't televised. Like, 
like right. you said. But even more importantly, and this was obviously planned on WCW's end, eight days later on May 27th, 1996, the first two-hour Nitro. What a way to kick off a two-hour Nitro. Well, because because the Mauler was mauling his opponent, right, Joe? As the Mauler was mauling his opponent, Quinn, we know this story. Razor, I mean, Scott Hall, yeah. appears from the crowd, grabs the mic. Give me the mic. Yeah. <laughs> you people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. The whole promo. But this was obviously a huge deal. This blew my fucking mind as a kid. Like, Mine as I, well. I was like, oh my God. Because I, first of all, I didn't have the rags or the dirt <laughs> sheets or whatever. And I was like, why is Razor Ramon on WCW like... I thought he was fighting somebody else. Right, yeah. I, I had no clue. We had just seen him somewhat recently yeah. in WWF, you know what I mean? And you know, I, it was Razor Ramon. I thought he could never go to WCW I either because the same he, thing. he was like one of the top guys in WWF and they didn't have anybody as was. <laughs> no, and they like, didn't. It seemed unthinkable. And yeah. here he is in a Canadian denim, Canadian <laughs> jumpsuit. Yeah, whatever you call it. Get up. And I like that. he's got high tech boots on. And he's like, you, you don't know who I am. And I'm like, I know him. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it was surprising and stunning. It was. And to me, this was almost bigger than the angle. This was almost a bigger surprise than the other big thing later yeah, that on comes in the year. Later. Yes. It was just mind blowing. It really was. It was yeah. what a message to uh to the wrestling fans in general that things are changing. Something's going and on here. You have to remember at the time the feeling was not that, you know, WCW was getting Scott Hall, it was that WWF was invading WCW. Yeah, that's it how was, they initially played it off. You want a war? You got one. Only only let's do it right in the ring where it matters it was so realistic was, yeah like i thought that he was still a contracted wwf sure. wrestler and i thought he was coming to beat up the wcw because they were acting up and being dicks yeah. you know <laughs> meanwhile quinn Shawn michaels was feuding with the uh, the british bulldog the power kept going out or something so that should show you that, exactly, that, that, exactly. <laughs> and, but at that point when that scott hall thing happened I remember that my viewing habits had definitely started to change. I was keeping WCW on more because I didn't, you never knew what to expect after that. Like, it was like, holy shit, like, is Goldust going to shoot? Like, you don't know. No, like, you really like, didn't know. Anybody that's on WWF, yeah. they can go because it hadn't happened the other way. Correct. So, you were, you were, it was very weird. And the precedent had been set with that first Nitro that we talked about yeah. last week with Luger. The Luger thing had already happened, but yeah. this like cemented this it. This really like, cemented it. Was it was like, oh my God, people like come over yeah, like this. It's crazy, the, right? Yeah. In June, Kevin Nash then appeared alongside Scott Hall. And they were so close to each other that, yes. that then it was like, uh, uh, how many more? Like, is is, is Shawn Michaels right. going to come? Is now Bret it's Hart like, yeah, gonna Brett, because like, he's been missing. Yeah, it's like, this is ridiculous. What the hell is like, going on here? Didn't this, like a Laundra Blaze come over? She had already soon? been there? Yeah, yeah. It was like, this is out of hand. So this was the June 10th, 96 Raw, and incidentally, this was the last night that Raw would defeat Nitro in the ratings for 83 weeks. That legendary number. Meanwhile, Brian Pillman on that same day signed with the WWF. Now, he's coming off his car accident in April, so it was a little weird. It was like, all right, this guy was red hot leaving right. WCW, red hot in ECW with this loose cannon persona. Right. Then gets into an accident, but WWF's like, fuck it, we're going to sign him anyway because we need names, we need personalities. Right, people know who he is. Yeah. And, like, so, and you know what I think they bungled a little bit? What'd they bungle? In this case, they should have followed the trend that WCW did. They should have had Pillman come by surprise and, like, attack someone. That would have been cool. Like, and say, like, oh, he's coming from WCW. Attack someone in the wheelchair? 
I don't know. Whatever. You can figure that. They could work that they, out, though, right? Figure it out somehow. Hit someone with like a trash can. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And it's something, anything to act like Pillman's coming in, like doing what Razor's doing. Yeah, being a maverick, basically. Yeah. yeah. Also in June, Steve Austin, because Triple H had been punished for the MSG incident, won the King of the Ring. And uh, this is very notable. Yeah. Austin yeah. 316 says, I just uh, whipped your ass. Doc standing there. <laughs> Doc. What does he have a picture of? His chant. Thank you. Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. That would go on to mean more uh, after June. And June to about September, Austin didn't matter. It's a bit of a lie that is is propagated by the WWF that, like, the next day there was Austin 316 signs everywhere. (laughs) That's not what happened. He was the biggest star in the world. (laughs) That's the Paul Bunyan version of this. There's, like, like a three-month, like, nobody gives a shit because it's the king of the ring. (laughs) He's not on the July pay-per-view. He fights Yoko on the pre-show for SummerSlam, you know? He's on the fucking (laughs) pre-show. He didn't matter yet. But he did win the king of the ring, and they would conveniently use that later on. I would say it did launch the idea of Austin being the way he was. Like, the the stone cold character. Yes, after being freed of DiBiase a few weeks right. earlier. This was like, no more fucking ringmaster. Like, oh no, that, that's the, the last like flush if of the, that. If anything, that's the more important outcome of the King of the Ring part. Yeah, DiBiase was gone for a few weeks. Austin was finally able to talk on his own. Yeah. And any last, uh, you know, remnants of the ringmaster association were now gone. Right. In July, I think the biggest thing of 1996, maybe one of the bigger things of the 90s happened. Great right American Bash. Uh, bash of the Beach. Or Bash at- Wrong Bash. Yeah, wrong Bash. <laughs> Too many Bashes. Yeah. Yeah, that, why were there so many bashes yeah, in WCW? That, that actually, it's funny I said that because that always confused yeah. me. To this day, I still say like, oh, Hogan was that great American bash. Oh, wait, no, it's it yeah. bash at the beat. Just bad marketing. So much bashing. Yeah. But uh, Hulk Hogan, on July 7th, 1996, as Razor, excuse me, Scott Hall, yeah. and Kevin, I'm doing that on purpose, right. <laughs> were fighting Lex Luger, who got taken out early, like right. a big wuss. Sting and Randy Savage and Sting and Savage are having like major problems fighting the outsiders. Right, yeah. Who storms down in the red and yellow? Haven't seen him since April 15th, but Hulk Hogan. Now you think Hogan is supposed to be siding with Sting and Macho Man because of Luger being taken out of the match. Of course. It's like, oh, well, he's WCW. He's going to help, right? Of course he is. But the outsiders, by the way, if you recall, they went into this match two on three. They said, we're going to have someone. Right. We're not telling you who he is yet. Hulk Hogan storms in, doesn't touch the outsiders. They just right. kind of like back away casually. Well, they look like scared for a second, if you recall. Yeah, they, like, they, they, they do. They, they sell it. They sell it. They back away. Hulk Hogan is in the building! You're damn right he is! Go get him, Hulk, sir! Yeah, but whose side is he on? I don't know! Hogan leg drops Randy Savage. Hogan, what is he oh doing? My God! Is he the third man? He's the third man! What the hell is going on here? Hulk Hogan has been WCW and turns heel for the first time since 1982. Yes. So our minds have been blown. Scott Hall's here. Kevin Nash is here, right? It's like as fans, we're like reeling. I felt like we're like how all this stuff's happening so quickly, right? Yeah. The Hogan turning heel. It was the single biggest thing at the time by 1996 that had happened oh it was in like ever it felt like to me it felt like ever honestly yeah it was such a big deal it was unbelievable it was unthinkable i agree it it is nuts it blew everyone's mind and it changed the game 
Well, it was such a big deal. I mean, this was a guy that for the past, you know, 12, 13 years had been wearing the red and yellow for the most part and mm-hmm. cutting these very charismatic, over-the-top cartoonish promos and had become a hero to kids in the 80s mainly yep. and had cartoons and all sorts of merchandising. He was in movies and he was this larger-than-life Hulk Hogan persona, you know, the all-American hero, the good guy. He was always Hulk Hogan. We thought that would be forever. And then all of a sudden he's cutting a promo getting garbage thrown at him, telling fans to stick it. You fans can stick it, brother! Being angry, like actually angry he sounded. All this crap in the ring represents these fans out here! The New World Organization was born. New World Organization of Wrestling. (laughs) That was the name that they signed when they had to get the patent pending or whatever they have to do. (laughs) New World Organization of Wrestling. Yeah. And the New World Organization of Wrestling, brother! N-W-O-O-W. Yeah. Uh, in August, though, Quinn, uh, Shawn Michaels was feuding with Vader and nobody cared. Who cares? Exactly. Now, September, on a programming note here, this is a little notable because, again, we have more things happening that are just flushing out the old guard. You know, we talked about it in 95 when they changed the syndication package. And in 94, when an All-American turned to Action Zone. In 96, in September, WWF's programming was once again revamped. Syndication all but evaporates. Now, you got to remember, syndication had been how you they were distributed before cable the bread and butter of the wrestling industry it was bread and butter yeah it was both yeah, yeah. it was like a nice uh, roll it was like a nice kaiser roll right. of the wrestling industry what the heck are you talking about and now everything's on cable pretty much superstars a syndicated institution yeah was now on USA Network in the old Mania slot. Right. Livewire, a brand new call-in and fax-in <laughs> and email-in show debuts. And apparently Challenge is still on, but no one can find it. <laughs> I don't know what, what's the deal with like, Challenge. <laughs> if you've seen the syndicated Challenge from like late 96, early 97, please let us know, folks. We nobody need to know. Nobody can find it, and if they do and put it on YouTube, the WWF will get very angry about it. It's like nobody's ever going to see it. Put it on Daily Motion. No yeah. one will find it. Yeah. Uh, but it was just a, another sign of the times, basically. Superstars move. And uh, the programming shook up a little bit. Everything is changing and it's fueled primarily by this NWO angle. I totally agree. Yeah, the last quarter of 1996, those last three or four months, is when you really start to notice a change in the way they present their programming. And obviously, we're going to be reviewing one of those episodes later on in the show, which marks a major change. But in October, uh, speaking of things changing, Steve Austin finally starts to gain some traction as a result of continually calling out Bret Hart, who we hadn't seen since the Iron Man match. If you put the letter S in front of Hitman, you've had my exact opinion of Bret Hart. And I would say this starts the WWF's first truly edgy angle. I would say so. We hadn't seen anything really this gritty since Jake Roberts Savage in 91-92. I mean, Austin is teetering on the edge of cussing on TV. Yeah, he, he might cuss. He's beating up people. Production, production assistants Like stuff. production, which is something that wasn't normal. It was it was normal to beat up, you know, maybe one of those guys, one of the old men who comes out to stop things. <laughs> yeah, like Pat Patterson. But like beat up the cameraman. That's yeah, a little like. A little oh, unnecessary yeah, there, it's Steve. a little crazy. So, yeah. And, and he's, his promos are so cutting good. Edge. Like the cutting edge. This is something the NWO wasn't doing. Yeah, I their think. promos weren't as good. I'm sorry. Like Hogan, Hogan's okay, but right. honestly, the the big thing with the NWO stuff was to be seeing these guys who were faces more so. Yeah, um, get it going off on the fans. Whereas the Austin stuff was like, who is this asshole? Right. Like, how dare he? He ain't Bret Hart. He ain't Shawn Michaels. Yeah. He's not Hulk Hogan. What an interesting like, character. Yeah, huh? like yeah, honestly, he was bold as hell. Very bold. Very different. Very refreshing. A shot yeah. of adrenaline that I didn't appreciate as much at the time as I do now. Right. You look back and he's like, 
He's a singular goal to be the best. Yep. And he's by any means necessary. And yep. that's what made him so unique. Yep. I totally agree, Quinn. It was a great time to see Austin start to rise and to, right. to really become prominent. Now, in November, I want to run down a couple of things that happened. Pillman's Got a Gun, which we will talk about. So just make note, that was yeah. November of 96. The Pillman's Got a Gun incident. More on that later. The ECW mass transit incident. This is a very notable thing because ECW all this year was actually really hot product. Uh, Absolutely. You talked a lot about the NWO and Stone Cold and this and that, but the ECW was, they were experiencing a a boom of their own. I mean, their business was going up and up and up and up, right? And they had penciled in, in, um, I think, I want to say December, they were supposed to get a pay-per-view. It was coming up soon. And it was like, holy shit, like, okay, now we got three, and if they're on pay-per-view, that's going to change the game for ECW. That was huge. However, they have an incident where a wrestler lied about his age. Yep, he said he was uh, over 18 or was 18. He was not. He was 17, I think, or 16. They send him out there with New Jack, who was notorious for blooding up his opponents. Notorious asshole, too. Right. But the point is, is that was what New Jack's gimmick was, That's what he did, yes. This guy knew that. Yeah, of course he did. He He lied about his age. Yeah, he lied about his age, and he knew he was going to get fucked up by New Jack, right? He he was a big, fat kid that wore, like, a bus driver outfit. I can't blame New Jack for this. No, I don't blame New Jack either. He did not know. He thought, hey, this is just another wrestler. We're going to do the thing where I bloody him up and blah, blah, blah. And this kid, Mass Transit, they called him, which Paul Heyman must have thought of that. He's a bus driver, Mass Transit, a big fat kid. He's the one that asked New Jack to cut him. Right. Because he said he had never done it before. Right. Because he'd never wrestled before because he was lying. So New Jack did what he could, but the cut was too severe. The kid lost a lot of blood. Yeah. He he had to go to the hospital. Now, I feel for the kid, too. I feel for him, but he I don't blame New Jack. He brought it upon himself. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I feel really bad. It's he. He has since passed away. Anyway, not related. He made to this, a very but, poor mistake. Yeah, exactly. Like, he shouldn't have lied about his age. He asked a professional wrestler who was known for blooding people up to, to cut, cut him. him. I, it sucks. Like, like, yeah, it's unfortunate, but we had to talk about it. Right. But what and, it did do is yes. it pushed ECW's freaking pay per view back. Well, now they got canceled. Yes, and they finally ran it in '97. Yes, but I'm sure that will be in the '97. Of course it will. Yeah, but, so it got canceled. Right. <laughs> Basically, to sum it up, it 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 did. Damage Damage to ECW, it, it, it killed a lot of the momentum that they had. It did. It, it, it didn't derail. It didn't destroy the company. They, they recovered. recovered. But '96 could have been a much bigger year for ECW. Yeah, who knows what it would have done for them to get on pay per view right. yeah. sooner. Yeah. Uh, also, Shawn Michaels lost a sit at the Survivor Series in a very interesting. <laughs> Good, very, good I, thought, angle. I thought it was a good angle. I thought it was good. I thought it was good for Sean too. To, it freshened him up. Yeah, it did actually it, get yeah. him into something edgy. He was feuding with Bulldog and Vader all at summer. The December pay per view, he becomes like more a way edgier character, too. precursor to the DX version. Right, and that's to me. This was an important step for Sean. It was important for Sid too because Sid needed huge the, deal. Sid needed the title to have credibility. He did because yep. otherwise we were going to wind up with another rehatch of the '95 version right. of him. Right, and I thought know? it helped him a lot going into '97. I think. I, I, I loved Sid in early 90s. He was great. Most people did. Yeah, yeah. It was great. <laughs> and Bret Hart finally returns, defeats Stone Cold After Steve Austin. All that whole almost like three months of bashing mm-hmm. from Austin. Great, great storyline. And that's a guy that he did have chemistry with. Yeah. 
I mean, fantastic, unbelievable. Those two were made to feud. Now, in December, as we wrap up the year here, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels start to ignite a feud based on that match at the Iron Man. So they start getting into it. They're both face, though, bear in mind. So shades of gray are starting to abound here. But meanwhile, Austin is still pestering Bret. Sid's just a big jerk with the world right. title, which yeah. is awesome. Undertaker also wants the belt. Now he's starting right. to be like, I want the title. This is getting, it's getting very interesting with the world title. Mayhem. Just yeah. mayhem is starting to run rampant. And also in WCW, Hulk Hogan was fighting Roddy Piper at Starcade for it some was- fucking reason. I get where they were going with Why, that. Why, though? The idea was that they had never truly settled the feud. WCW, and they still didn't. You know what I think? I think it was one of those situations. I can't really fault WCW. It was one of those situations where WCW was looking to find things that WWF had dropped years ago. They dropped the ball with because they knew they couldn't have Hogan destroy their younger talent that was uprising. Oh, they could. They could. (laughs) But I I seriously think Hulk Hogan not destroy younger talent. But I I think they saw how hot Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were. They didn't want to ruin stuff like that. And they needed to build guys to fight them, too. Sure. I look at that situation as they saw a money match in that Piper and Hogan had never resolved their beef. And they said, look, we can, we have the money. We, we have the resources to finally do this now. Let's do it. Look, Just like they did with Ric Flair. It's one thing if you want to pick up a ball that's been dropped by WWF. It's another thing when that ball is long since deflated. Right. All right? Just I'm not, end the game. Listen, I'm not saying it was good. I'm not no defending it. it. I'm, I'm just saying that I think that was the logic. So this is, in my mind, Quinn, even though it took the ratings a very long time and it took the public perception a very long yeah. time, right around late 96 is where I think WWF started to already even the playing field, but you won't really see it unless you go back and watch because the perception was, well, WCW was infinitely better all throughout 97. No. I do think 96 in total WCW was way better. Overall, yes. I think once like January of 97 hits post the Royal Rumble, that's when WWF really picks it up. They really pick it w, up. There's just shades of a little good stuff that the WWF is creeping here. in. It, it's not really full board. It's getting yeah, there. Yeah. And to wrap up here, I'm just going to read you a quick list of the roster turnover for WWF. So these are guys that are out in 1996. And then I'll read you a, guys that, a list of guys that came in. So out in 1996, Razor Ramon, Diesel, Tatanka, Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, for what it's worth, <laughs> Hakushi, 123Kid, Ted DiBiase, and Mr. Perfect. So a lot of departures. A lot yeah. of these were big names, not Hakushi, not Duke, but I'm just, they're indicative of an earlier, the new generation. Right. A and lot then, of these guys. Most of the, some of those guys went to uh, WCW. Some of them did, Not yeah. all of them did. Thankfully, Kid. Tatanka didn't. <laughs> th- thankfully, Duke the Dumpster didn't. Uh, but And here's some guys that WWF acquired in 96. Big Van Vader. Ultimate Warrior, again, we know how it panned out, but they got the name. Steve Austin, I know they technically got him in like December 95, but he didn't debut yeah, on I TV. Yeah, I kind of don't count that because he's there for most of the year. Jake Roberts, Brian Pillman, as we mentioned, Mark Henry. Hey, he had a great career. He did. <laughs> no it, one cared in 96. Glorious though. beginning. <laughs> Farouk with the stupid helmet. Yep. Mark Morrow. All those gimmicky jobbers like Tony Anthony oh. and uh, Salvatore Sincere. That's unfortunate. Freddie Joe Floyd. Yeah. Porto. And of course, Furnace and Philip LaFon. Of course. So there was some good that they picked up, some bad. Oh, Mostly and the, bad. And The Rock, I should mention. Yeah. They picked him up from uh, the yeah. USWA. Dwayne. But overall, Quinn, that's 1996 in a nutshell. A very interesting year. Much more vibrant, much fresher, a lot more happening than last year in 1995. Very busy. Very busy. Things are happening. The wheels are in motion. And folks, when we return, we will have a Mount Rushmore and Death Valley in motion for you because we will be back right after this.
Opening everywhere. Frosted Cheerios. <laughs> so sweet and crunchy, this box never closes. And they're all mine. All mine. Kids today think it's far out and groovy. Those wholesome little O's have been frosted the whole way around for a crunchy, sweet taste everyone's into. Hey, they're frosted. Hey, we're clay. Frosted Cheerios taste so good, this box never closes. I've got to have more milk. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here on episode number 96, Monday, August 27th, 2018. Hey, Quinn, before we get to Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, we wanted to remind our fans of our Patreon. We do have one of those. Yes, uh, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's it's right. a great place where you can get extra content. Extra content. We have three very easy tiers, $1, $2, and $3 tier. And as always, I want to remind you, we're not just doing this show for the money, okay? This is where if you really like what we do and you want to support us you do that and we give you something back so here's the tiers for you the one dollar tier is a very interesting one because you get to see what we look like right now as we're recording this it's very interesting you get to see the shirts uh headphones <laughs> yes. uh, our mics and uh the stuff in the background quinn's not drinking coke he's drinking water today it's amazing yeah it's very rare so for one dollar every single monday a raw video dump as we call it for it's brian sure burke is a dump. it is a dump that'll come out and you get to watch unedited, unadultered video footage of each and every weekly show. Now, if you add a buck to that for just $2, not only do you get the weekly Raw dump, but every other Friday, you get Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra. And this is where we dive deep into the bizarre and the surreal. We try to take your suggestions too, Quinn. Yeah, it's a fun show where we do you know, the weirdest and yeah, the weird ones. strangest. I mean, one day Hats is going to happen. Hats will happen one day. We yeah. did Dungeon of Doom members recently. Yes, yes. And that, was, that was really fun. I mean, that's that's almost impossible to do a Rushmore, <laughs> but we, we did it. Yeah, it's, it's basically just every other Friday you get an extra audio podcast. You know, it's about an hour or so. We just go through another Rushmore for you, so that's for $2. One more dollar, you max out your tiers, okay? That's that's the $3 tier. So you get the weekly Raw Dump, the alternating Rushmore and Death Valley Extra, and on the other Fridays, you join Quinn and I as we review 1982 WWF. It's horrible, but it's also really fun to watch us uh, suffer through it. Endure through it. Endure through it. Yeah. So that's a video review where Quinn and I sit here and you watch along with us. It's a great time. So again, that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast if you want to donate. And if you don't, guess what? We we love you anyway, and we're thankful that you're listening, and we mean that. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Quinn, it's time for Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. This is where oh boy, each week we have put. And we will continue to put four of the best of something, and it can be anything, onto Mount Rushmore, where four of the worst go down into the desert of Death Valley. And this week, Quinn, it was your pick, and it is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... Nineties cage matches. Nineties cage matches. Well, now, what made you think of this one, Michael? What do you think about um, this? I, I just wanted something unique. We've okay. done um, matches and things, the title matches, pay per views, all sorts of stuff. Right? And I, I was just looking for something different. You know, I like that. No, there was a that's, that's just all it was for most nothing of the, special. For most of the nineties, a cage match was something different. You know, they didn't happen all the time. Yeah, and I wanted to include the cell because I think that's okay. like a notable. It is a cage match, basically. It just has a roof. No, I agree with you. I think that's fine to count. I think anything involved in a cage yeah. of any kind should count. Okay. So you had the pick. I'm going to take the stick. Now you're gonna you're gonna volley me immediately. On I this know. One. I know. You know what I'm going to say. Yeah. But I'm going to pick Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker from Bad Blood, the first ever Hell in a Cell. Why do you think this is a better match? Because I think it's a better match. And boom goes the dynamite. 
I, I don't know how else to say it. I, I mean, think it's better wrestled and it's more exciting. To me, it's great. I'm not denying its match quality. Match. However, match. Um, I just think it's eclipsed by what I'm going to volley with as far as um, its shock value. And to me, that's what a cell slash cage match is about. It's not really about how good the wrestling is. It's about... Okay, bro. Yeah. No, but I mean, okay, so obviously volley the volley, volley back it. is is um, Mankind versus Undertaker. Of course. Hell in the Cell, King of the Ring. Yeah. 98. 98, yep. Um, to me... A guy getting thrown off the top is like, <laughs> holy shit, are you kidding me? Look, I, like, I, that's insane. The spots in Mankind Taker are better. He goes through the ceiling. The- <laughs> How do you top that? He, he do- you don't. That's yeah. the whole thing is you don't and you shouldn't try. Yeah. However, the actual match, the drama, the angle, the everything about it, and I don't even ever like to praise Shawn Michaels that much, yeah. but Shawn Michaels Undertaker, I think, is better in terms of a, a complete package of a wrestling match. I would say the drama of Is Mankind Dead is way better than um, anything a fake wrestling thing can do because he there's points in that where they think he's like that's a it, he's goner. Dead. Like, King's like, yeah. that's it, he's dead. That's it, he's dead. The second time they think he's dead, and well, then he JR's keeps, had enough. Then he keeps going. There's thumbtacks. There are, yeah. yeah. Like I love though about the second one, the mankind one that Jr. Legitimately not like trying to be announcer. Jr. Is like, will somebody stop the damn match? Like, yeah. he's not even trying to be an announcer. There, Terry Funk comes out without his shoes on because he's so like practice. Yeah, he's like all fucked up, to, like from something else. I no, don't even know. He like no, took a shower. Is, he's got his shoes on loose, and he like intentionally gets choke slammed out of his shoes it's, by Taker. It's, the to kill time. To right? kill time because. That's why because the, the match stops dead. Well, and that's to, why it's not as good of a match. Okay, well, I'll argue that they make um, lemons or they make they limeade. Make, they, <laughs> they make lemonade out of lemons with that because they make Gatorade out of it. The drama with that is so cool because the idea that these doctors are surrounding that get the French keep, doctor with a ponytail, yeah, keep them away, keep them away, and like yeah. Terry Funk's like fighting him. Like, actors, you got to get on the stretcher. Like, yeah, to, like, Terry's like doing this job of making it seem like there's almost like a story somehow. Like, and then of course the iconic fully gets off the stretcher and climbs the cage. That's after the first bump. Yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> And look at him. You're kidding How me. in the hell is he standing? Oh, my God. And look at this. He's got a smile on his face, for God's sakes. Are you kidding me? I win this either way because you're arguing against a Shawn Michaels yeah. match, so I'm fine either way. I think it's up way. to the fans which one's better, but I can't deny the drama and excitement and just stuff that you never saw ever. Well, you never... I'll give you this. Before. You like, never saw... A guy get thrown off the top of a hell in the cell like casually and land on a table. So. You never saw it in a cage. You either. never saw it in a cage. Not only that, you never saw someone get choke slammed through it, and that was an accident. Right. Is yeah. The other part of it that wasn't supposed to happen. And the chair whacked him in the face too. Remember that? <laughs> and, and then the, his teeth were. Oh my his god. His teeth were coming through his nose or something. Look as a as <laughs> spots, nothing tops it. However, yeah. I still think the better match match. Is Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Bret Hart, Heartbreaker, but yeah. it doesn't matter which one goes on first. So you can win. we can we double induct? Yeah, let's double induct. Can we just compromise? Because it's one of these things where if we're talking cage matches, and yes, this is a cage, mm-hmm. so don't get all mad at us because it's not traditional. It's still a cage match, right? It's these two, and then there's everything else. It's, I agree. That's where it gets nitty and gritty. All right, so we'll do a double induct, and just for you, Quinn, I'll say Mankind Undertaker first. Okay. Okay. So for number one and number two. Mankind Undertaker, Shawn Michaels Undertaker. 
Gotta play it twice. Yep. I also just want to briefly give props to the Shawn Michaels thing. I've mentioned that like he's not my favorite wrestler. He's your favorite wrestler. But he was at his peak there as a wrestler, as an athlete. He was fantastic. And playing a heel, the best version of him as a heel ever. Just to say about that, I think... That's the most bloodied up I've ever seen Shawn Michaels. Oh, yeah, he uh, eats it, man. And it's it's the most vulnerable I've seen him for a character that should be more vulnerable generally. He comes off way more vulnerable. He comes off that he's finally gotten himself in a situation that he can't get himself out of. And that's what it was if yeah. it wasn't for Kane. Right. I love that. I love the ending yeah, for that. Yeah, and the Kane part. Yeah. Ripping the cage door off, the mayor himself. And that's not even, and, and what's funny is that's not even to benefit Sean. No. That's just Kane hates the Undertaker. It's just by happenstance, Sean like honky tonks his way into winning this. Right. You know it's what I like, mean? This, Kane doesn't care about Sean <laughs> no, Michaels. Like, he it's not give he, any kind of a shit. He's not helping him. <laughs> no. It's just like, he said he was going to come. Yeah. Like Paul Bear said his son or whatever is coming. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. We have these two. We have Mankind Undertaker. We have Shawn Michaels Undertaker. May I present to you one for your consideration? Sure. I don't know if it'll make it, but I do like Brett versus Owen from SummerSlam. It's okay. I mean... Okay. Well, I guess it, in comparison to the matches that we're talking about here, it's very... Um, totally different match. Yeah, it's totally different. No blood. No blood. Safe. It's very safe for a cage match. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't even I'm mean sure that. you're going to put that clip of Brett in. Just thinking about how we took care of each other. Yeah protected each other it was so safe with the, the safest, safest match. <laughs> I know. The drama that surrounds it is fun. The the aftermath of mm-hmm. the were Bulldog, the late Jim Neidhart, which by the way, you know, we didn't get to mention uh, you know, our condolences obviously yep. to the Hart family. But honestly, we make fun of Natty and everything just yeah. because that's what we do. We make fun of people. Right. But, you know, as that someone sucks. as I mean, someone they, that lost my dad unexpectedly yeah. myself, I just want to say a quick shout out. You know, I'm not going to make fun of her anymore. Right. And Jim Neidhart was a unique character. I love him as a member of the Hart Foundation. Both iterations, the tag team and the stable. Oh, yeah. No, the, I Jimmy love that Andal big Hart's a legend, man. He I, really I don't is. care that he wasn't like a, a world champion yeah, or right. anything. He's... He's a legend. So our condolences. Our condolences. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, it's always sad when a when a wrestler dies and but Jim Neidhart's involved in that cage match. Jim Neidhart is hilariously involved in that because he clotheslines Bulldog and Diana over the guardrail, <laughs> storms into the ring, padlocks it, yeah. and then you got like all the other fucking hearts like Bruce in his stupid leather jacket and Smith Bruce and Bruce always going into business for always. Himself. And Bruce, you may be the most volatile of them all. Yeah, if I see Nightheart go anywhere near that ring, I'm going to do something about it. You're not getting close to it, Nightheart. Anybody care what this guy thinks? No! Finally takes the bulldog taking his shirt off to, like, gain headway and, like, <laughs> fight his way into the cage. It's uh, really fun. The strongest man in yeah. the world wrestling, or whatever Brett says. He's probably pound for pound the strongest yeah. man. <laughs> and so I just love it. I love the drama of it. It's a good cage match. It's not even my favorite Brett Owen match. You know, I, I would put that in because there's not a lot to work with there's for not, good ones. Like, what else is there? What do you think? This one's just a goofy favorite of mine. Yeah. I do dig the Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan in WCW. Halloween Havoc. Yeah, the 94. one where, because it, it's classic, like the Sherry stuff, and it's goofy and silly, but it's what it needed to be. And I believe that's the one where Flair's uh, loser leaves WCW is, yeah. or some shit. Flair retires, I think, is yeah, what it is. And yeah. that's when he dresses up as a lady a little bit later. Yeah. That match is like the last vestiges of a classic house show hogan cage match and there's sure there's something retro about it even in 1994 i agree with like, you i kind of like it and hogan beating up women yeah. sherry getting naked um, of course there's an element of goofiness to it there but, is but to me it's like the good goofiness yeah i like it i don't have a problem with it's it it's got stakes 
It's like it, world title and career has stakes. There's yeah, some like, stakes. Yeah, there's stakes. Careers are on the line. Array. It's these type of things that drive these two men, the two greatest ever, ever in professional wrestling. Hey, calm the fuck down. I mean, there's really not too much to complain about that one. Brett Owen is better, though, right? No, it's better. I'm just saying, okay. I, I think that's that there's something to be said about that match. You know, that's not bad, Quinn, yeah. now that you think about it. You know, there's also this one from September 98, Breakdown, I think, in your house. It was really good. It was The Rock, Shamrock, and uh, Mankind. It was a really good uh, three-way cage match, which is rare to find one that's really good. I, I was mean, always a big fan th- of that. That's when you get into the weird pay-per-views, so yeah, I, I I'm probably not as familiar with that it's okay. match. It's a good one. Um, about Austin McMahon. St. Valentine's Day Massacre. That, that's what I think it's going to be between like those three. I, I don't think, think there's so? anything else much. Yeah, WCW didn't have too many notable ones that were really good outside of that, right? right. I, mean, I can't think of too many. Now, how about, were there any really good war games in the 90s? I don't because that, that would count, right? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, uh, you know, I'd be remiss not to mention I like the Dangerous Alliance War Games in ninety one. Ninety one, yeah. That one's just fun because I like the um. There's funny spots where Paul Med- and Medusa they have schematics. Yes, the, I mean they're like they're like making strategy outside, and it's just an overall like it's a fun little back and forth between the the, the faces of WCW yeah. like Sting and Barry Windham and stuff. And they're they're fighting, you know, Dangerous Alliance, and it it's just an overall really goofy but fun. It's not even goofy; it's actually like pretty serious for 1991. Actually, I got some clarification on it. It's actually from Wrestle War of May of '92, which I didn't realize okay. it was '92. So it was Sting, Nikita Koloff, Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, and Barry Windham defeating Arn, Bobby Eaton, Steve Austin, Larry Nabisco, and Rick Rude. Yeah, it's it's it actually, is fun. It's really I've fun, and I've seen it. To me, that's my favorite classic one, and I know that's not that might be like a controversial yeah. opinion because some people will be all oh, the classic, you know, Road Warriors and Four Horsemen and all this bullshit. Well, you're allowed to like what you like. Yeah, it's, just, a, it's your vantage point. I like that one just because I, it's really about the schematics thing, the and schematics. also, also I like the Dangerous Alliance in general. Okay, now is Brett versus Own? Is that going to be number three though? I think that's three. I, I think, think it's that's only three fair. At this point, I think uh, they can duke it out at the end with the war games. Yeah, and the, the the goofy Hogan. There's also Flair. Austin McMahon. We have to talk Austin about McMahon. too. We'll get to that next. I think. Uh, all right, so let's get Brett and his brother Owen in there for number three. Brett versus Owen, SummerSlam '94. So Austin McMahon, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are: it's a great debut for Big Show. It is coming um, through the ring. After that, he sucks, but. Um, <laughs> You know, coming through the ring, using his mass. And I like the idea that it, uh, McMahon wins because he's like on the cage, but it like falls over yes. or something. Oh it's my like, gosh. It's an actual proper explanation on why Vince would win. You gotta give it to Vince. We don't talk about Vince the wrestler too often because, you know, he didn't wrestle that much. But yeah, for what he lacked in athletic ability and wrestling ability, he knew how to tell that story. He knew in how the to ring. take a bump too. And Holy he, shit. He would take any bump. Oh my God! He's gotta be 20 feet. You know what's weird about this, though? The Austin McMahon. It's so strange to me that that feud was still dragging on into February of 99. To me, that was the the last vestiges other than I think the true end in my heart for it was like <laughs> that meaning I cared the king was of the, the, ring. The, the thing with the, the briefcase. The brief and, you cared? I was so enthralled with the Were idea you? 
I was like, are they really going to write in, in the storyline that Vince doesn't know? Because I thought they were, it would be funny. Ugh. I think I was, <laughs> I think I was imagining in my brain, like, will it be like the DDP angle where Vince is like a pauper? Like, I thought it would be. That hilarious. would have been great, actually, like, yeah, if like, you think about it. Like, it would be really fun. And there's some convoluted way how he, like, comes back. Like, <laughs> like I always, always in wrestling wanted a somebody becomes a pauper angle because I always dig that DDP thing. That's like one of my favorite things. I, I really love that whole thing with DDP. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been f- really awesome, actually, yeah. if they did that with Vince, wouldn't it? Yeah, like, it, it would have been interesting it would have been so i don't know what are you thinking who's really gonna make number four here austin mcmahon's good i don't know like if that is great or anything you know what i can't believe i i'm surprisingly saying this but yeah. i really think that the hulk rick flair might be the best on. of the of what we're talking about here you really think so i mean there weren't WWE or the war games even i i mean the, mm. that's a really good match WWF didn't really have too many notable big cage matches. I mean, in the nineties, in the nineties. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, there's that one with triple H versus mankind at SummerSlam 97, but that's not very good. No. Right. Remember that one where he like rips his shirt off, but you can't see the dude love tattoo. Cause it like faded away or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know the one I mean, right? It opened <laughs> SummerSlam 97 and yeah. it's really poopy. And that's not, I can't put that on. Did like Sean have any other ones? No, not in the nineties, right? No. I mean, it, it went with Marty, but it was, I don't even know if that was televised. It, I feel like cage matches in the 90s were evenly split between WCW and WWF, and they weren't often. And most of them weren't that notable. Yeah. That's the other thing. You right. don't, you didn't have a ton of standout ones. That's why I got to say, I, I really think the, it has notability. The title's on the line and a career's on the line in the Rick Flair. <laughs> is it better than Austin McMahon, you think? It probably is. I think it probably is, actually. It probably is. Both are goofy and involve people, like, falling off the sides <laughs> and stuff. Like, cage matches, those two are both silly cage matches. A guy comes through the bottom of the ring yeah. and, like, <laughs> Sherry's dress gets yeah. ripped like it, they're Panties. they're all ridiculous like so if we're gonna probably say the best natural wrestling matches are probably war games 92 right but who cares yeah, yeah. are you kind of you're kind of hand waving that and we're like it's not about the wrestling only in this case yeah I, it's not about pro wrestling you only. know what fuck it give it to hogan, hogan flair. flair they deserve it come on man that was the kind of proper end to their feud and like as dicky as hogan is and as, like, watery as that is that Hogan and Flair are fighting, you know, in 94, WCW at least did it. They yeah. followed up with the... They gave the, them a three-match feud. They followed up with their bash and clash, Yeah, you know, and they had this as the blow-off. It was the proper traditional, like, as much as people crap on it because Flair didn't get really one up, he never it did. was a traditional um, three-match escalation feud. Yeah. Like, it, it had... You know, three matches. I know they fought each other, but in meaningless shit later. But like Flair won the rubber. I mean, won the second match by DQ or count out. Right. Count out. Right. And this was the blow off. This didn't was really the rubber. Do anything wrong. You know, Quinn, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know what? I'm going to turn my key with you on this okay. one. Fans, you let us know yours. You know, your Rushmore and your Death Valley. You can do that by reaching us on Twitter at OVP podcast or email us or join the group and let us know. But for number four, let's do it. Quinn Flair Hogan Halloween Havoc 94. Well, to recap for Donnie so he can watch some cage matches, we've got Mankind versus Undertaker, Hell in the Cell, King of the Ring 98, Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker, Bad Blood in Your House, October of 1997. We have Bret Hart versus My Brother Owen from <laughs> SummerSlam 94, Steel Cage, and Flair versus Hulk Hogan, Steel Cage, Halloween Havoc 1994. That is four of the best. Quinn, why don't you kick it off with one of the worst? I would have to say it's uh, the the thing we did over on WPA oh. the other day. That, <laughs> that is was- the worst 
thing I've ever seen. Uncensored ninety six, the yeah. uh, Cage of Death. What was it called? Uh, the, the Dungeon of Doom the- Hellhole. It's horrible. <laughs> First of all, does it count because the cage is like removed from the ring? But it then, counts, yeah, Quinn. Yeah, it's so bad. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage versus everybody. Yeah. Versus Zeus. Yeah. Versus Orrin Anderson. Versus Lex Luger. Versus Ric Flair. Versus Jeep Swenson. It is one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> there's sections. There's yeah, like there's tiers. Levels. There's tiers. And there's multiple things going it's on. It's like a department store of crap. And you know what's weird? If you're like a kid on paper, this seems like a kind of awesome idea. It's like, oh, this, it's like, it's like sports and stuff or something. <laughs> like one of those, that was in our town, but like, it's yeah, like, it's like Discovery Zone. How Discovery about that? Zone would be the equivalent. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, but they, what if the wrestlers were in like a Discovery Zone thing <laughs> and they're caged up and there's weapons everywhere and all sorts of nonsense? It seems like on paper that a kid would think this would be the coolest shit to ever happen. The only real discovery is that WCW did not know what to do with the main event at Uncensored yeah. 96. It's, it's, it's a piece of shit. It's brutal to watch. I can, I can match you or up you one, though. Raise you one. Sure. Kettle from Hell. Yeah, the Kettle from Hell is another uh, disgusting piece of garbage. Uh, <laughs> now, this is September 99, folks. This is the infamous Big Boss Man versus Al Snow. And the premise, right, mm-hmm. is the blue barred uh, steel cage. And then it's surrounded by the Hell in the Cell. Right. And dogs. Right, dogs. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog, bro. So the problem <laughs> is, is that said dogs were not really like, I don't know, maybe they were just drug sniffing dogs or something. They weren't the kind that like are going to... sniffing dogs? They're not the kind that are going to like bite you and kill you. Like, no. The idea is almost like like if the ring was surrounded by lava or sharks right. or something. Like, right? Like that's like kind of the, that's the crux of it. Lava. But, Let's go with lava. But the problem is, is there's handlers holding the dogs and the dogs, they're trained not to like kill people. Right. So they're not and they're just peeing. Like, because they're scared. And they're dogs. Yeah, like I feel bad for the dogs because so the I. dogs are frightened as fuck. They're like, they're like whimpering yeah. and like in the corner, like they're yeah. like, King's like, ah, look at that one had an accident. Yeah, you know? exactly. Dogs have already let go of number one. I haven't dug too deep into this because why would I? Yeah. But this has got to be a Vince Russo idea. It seems like, yeah. Like, come on, bro. What if we put a steel cage and the hell in the cell, bro, and there's dogs there no, and they're so trying the, to bite Al Snow? So the concept on paper probably was any type of vicious animal because they probably hadn't thought of the... Can we get sharks? Yeah, like, like yeah, that's what I'm imagining is that... What, what are those plants, Jaffa? Piranosaurus? Piranhas? I was watching Jurassic Park last night. Can we get Jeff Goldblum, bro? What's like, he doing? I could imagine wanting the Velociraptor like <laughs> surrounding the, the ring. Can we get one of those uh, those <laughs> Velociraptor? What's that called, there, yeah. Ed? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So I, it's got to be Russo, though. Yeah, that thing sucks. It, it probably Quinn. to me, it's an idea that was on paper, and they were just waiting for the animal for the angle to fill it with. They should have just gotten cats because cats are like more naturally pissed off than what dogs if they anyway. they lions or something? Yeah, kind lions. Of, that'll go over well. The lion's dead match. Like <laughs> yeah. a real lion's dead. A real dead. lion's dead match. Holy shit, does that embody 1999 more than almost it, anything, Quinn? Yeah, it's really bad. And it's Al Snow versus Big Boss Man. Is it Man. worse than the Doomsday Cage? That's the name of it, by the way. It might be, yeah. Wow, that's saying something. You know what, though? It's I think it's executed slightly better than the Doomsday Cage, and that's saying how bad the Doomsday Cage is executed. It's executed maybe slightly better, but I will, and I will say this, too. It's got slightly more entertainment value, because at least the dogs pee on the floor. 
I don't know, though. The, the other one has entertainment value just of the sheer absurdity, like this thing that goes to the ceiling. like Brutus other, Beefcake with frying pans. Yeah, There's like, a lot of things. Oh, man, it's hard to see who trumps who there, but I would say both are definitely on, right? I think both are on. What about that Chambers of Horrors? This is Halloween Havoc 91. Let me lay this one out. This is the team of El Gigante, already bad, okay. <laughs> Sting and the Steiner Brothers defeating uh, the Diamond Stud, <laughs> Cactus Jack, Big Van Vader and Abdullah the Butcher. Right. So this is the infamous Abdullah the Butcher goes in electric chair. So why is there an electric chair in that's, this thing? That's how you win. You put someone in the electric chair? Yes. Okay, I've seen this and I didn't really understand what was happening. That's how you win. Like I and I I didn't get it. But man, is that a nightmare of a match? Think about what he's experiencing. He's getting cooked. And I think he's well done, guys. You basically give him the death penalty. Right. And that's how you win. I guess not. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be like a little shock, kind of like when the Mountie shocks his opponent. Yeah, but this is an electric chair that yeah. a big fat guy has to sit in. It's the chair version of the Mountie's electric stick. <laughs> that's not a good thing, yeah, though, right? No. I mean, that's a bad thing. Did they use special effects at the end? Because I feel like they did. There's pyro and stuff. Like, yeah. there's actual, there's right. like sparklers or something to I make it look good. I remember reading in Foley's book about this, too, about just how dumb it was. Like, it's basically, awful. They're just compl- he's just complaining about how silly it is. So that's three really bad ones right there. Do yeah. we, is, what? What's going on for sure? Because it's hard to pick. Okay, I think just for its infamy, the Doomsday Cage is like... Okay. It feels like the right one to definitely be in there. And plus the concept, Quinn, it's like two on eight. Yeah, that That's to me really stupid. breaks it a lot. Well, I guess... Hogan and I guess Savage. the thought is that if they have to fight them in sections, that it's technically fair. Like, it's not like they're getting ganged up on. But they still it, have to fight a lot of different guys. Even though it divulges into that, that's part of the story is that the heels figure out a way to team up. But they were, in actuality, in the story, they were... That's even why in the second thing, they're caged off. Yeah. It's like, in actuality, they were supposed to be separated, so it'd be two-on-two two throughout the thing. Right, right. But it doesn't work out that way. Nothing about this worked yeah. out. And this is only a scant three or four months before the NWO formed. So yeah, let me just put that in that's perspective. that's really weird. Thankfully, better times would be ahead That's for WCW. That's in this year that we're covering it this is. episode. You know what? So in honor of 1996, let's put in the uncensored 96 Doomsday Cage. Die, die, die. Speaking of dying, uh, Chamber of Horrors, anyone, with the electric chair. I mean, how do you even justify that? That when- is... Is it's it a, injustifiable? It's a horrible piece of garbage. El Gigante's in it. Now, if we're sort of ranking like we always do, is it <laughs> uh, like is it worse than the kennel or not? Well, let's take a look at our objects. Okay. One of them has dogs that pee, and they have handlers, <laughs> the, and it's an it's an abomination of a thing. The other one is a weapon used for capital punishment. Let's look at the wrestlers. One of them is just a straight one-on-one match. It's Al Snow yeah. <laughs> versus Big Boss Man, the cartoon evil version of him. Right. Which I is love very that. fun. That's a funny version. The casket stealing, dog eating, wheeling and dealing, yeah. that type of guy. The other one involves Giant Gonzalez uh, and Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> well, then I would say the one others. that involves Giant Gonzalez would obviously be, and, and an electric chair and Fat Abby. <laughs> the fork man. Yeah. They should have had a lethal injection match. That would have been much more <laughs> easy <laughs> to control on quicker. screen. Yeah. You could also fake it better. What about a firing squad match? I bet that was in what, Russo's idea at some point. Bro, what if you get a bunch of guys with paintball guns? No. Russo had a fire a match, if you recall. A fire match, yeah. The that, Inferno match. That, that's his version of the fire. Undertaker he takes it quite literally. <laughs> that reminds, An arson that, match? That match reminds me literally of what I thought as a kid getting fired was when I was like really little. 
Like that they would actually put you in a chamber of fire. Wait, hold up, coach. That's what you like. How old were you? Like, um, nineteen, like four or something. Oh, okay. Like, I I remember asking my it wasn't mom, in high like, school. if somebody gets fired, did they put them in like an incinerator or whatever? So you thought someone loses their job and they get killed? Yeah. All right. Well, maybe not killed, <laughs> just brutally injured. So disfigured horrifically for yeah. the rest of their tenure right. for not stapling well, the paper properly. Make, that's how they make sure people do their job right. Fucking Roy down yeah. there in copy editing, yeah. you know, didn't do his stapling stiff properly. punishment. Yeah, very yeah. stiff, I would say. Speaking of a stiff punishment, try to sit through the Chamber of Horrors match. Yeah, I, I fuck would... the Chamber of Horrors. Is that in any way connected to the RoboCop thing? No, we, <laughs> you need to stop bringing up RoboCop. <laughs> I know it's a cage of some kind. RoboCop is not in that match, Quinn, okay. but I'll tell you what, an electric chair and the fork man are and i would say for number two the chamber of horrors die 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 now i've discussed kettle from hell but i want to also bring up the big boss man yet again sure he fought for some reason i guess once again because vince I russo i know where you're going with this i'm going to wrestlemania 15 one of the worst wrestlemanias and in in you get hung match at yeah. the end of you. that's quite that's almost my firing thing all, like in re- real wrestling it's you like, get hanged you get hanged if you lose so another form of was execution that stipulation or that just happened by happenstance no that was because undertaker was very evil in 1999 yeah. and he was like i hang people now mm-hmm. it was literally the die 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 undertaker that rock fair, made fun of the boss man wasn't much better he would have done the same thing if given the opportunity yeah <laughs> you know what i think you're right that he was ver- fighting fire with fire they on were very point. equally matched from a psychological point of <laughs> yeah. view these two like the boss man was a gigantic asshole listen the boss man definitely was not above uh hanging someone by a noose i will give <laughs> you're right he would he would have done that yeah he would have done it if he had gotten the noose first <laughs> that's true so and the undertaker let me put it very delicately mm-hmm. by 1999 the Undertaker was tiring to see. Right. He was not a very good wrestler, and he was Satan Taker. Right. This is like that version. He was, it wasn't cool anymore. Like the Undertaker, the last time he was really good, I'd say, was around SummerSlam 98. Yeah. That which, was his, that was the last of the cool. And then he went on the weird uh, Satan Taker version. The cahoots with Kane. And that lasted till what? Like, the late 98, 99, I want to say. Late 99, September. Yeah. Then he teamed with Big Show. Remember that? Yeah. It was really bad. Then finally, he took a lot of time off, and came back as American Badass which version. Which reinvigorated his career as much as a lot of people don't like it in the later steps. But at, when it first happened, it was very neat. That was necessary, too, yeah. because he, and it was literally, that's why Undertaker says, die, die, die. Right. I mean, that's why Rock says it, you know? Yeah, he's, he's making fun of Satan Taker. He's making fun of it because it was just like enough already with this <laughs> fucking gimmick. And it was that's dumb. true. Undertaker, you come on. On down die 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 and all that stupid crap over and over and over again undertaker boss man is very poor as a match as well like not just the concept but it's poor i would say it's a definite contender it's kennel from hell's worse though right because yeah you want to put kennel from helen i kind of do because they went woof woof yeah the dogs went woof, woof. and they went pee pee and they went pee pee <laughs> and that was the end end it's fine <laughs> okay so for uh number three three let's put in the kennel from hell september 1999 Die, die, die. Now, what else strikes you as crappy? Uh, for- Rick Rude versus <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. I fucking hate that match. Okay, you, tell- yeah. you want to know something really dumb? Yeah. For years, right? Yeah. I did not own the Coliseum home video tape of this match. I right? think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, go for ahead. For years, I would watch the match and it would cut off yeah. right before the end yes. for some reason. I don't know why. Because the VCR that I had copied that on or something with the tape length, there was some mistake with when I transferred <laughs> so, it over. Anytime I would watch it, it would 
it would just not end for me. Correct. And to me, I felt like it was an unresolved match, but that wasn't the only reason. The match just stinks, too. It really is so bad. imagine if psychologically in your brain that you feel like this match that sucks is happening endlessly. <laughs> Because you never got a conclusion to yeah. it. Yeah, it stinks. It's so boring, <laughs> and it's it's just the typical like you know the face is gonna win. You Matt. knew Warrior like, was winning. Like, there was no way he wasn't gonna win. It's Just annoying, and I don't like it. And I really think it deserves some mention here at the very least. I think so, especially because, I mean, it's rare that you find, like, a traditional cage match that's really bad. Yeah. And that was. I mean, it was literally really bad. Now, Savage and Hogan fought at Uncensored 98. Do you remember that? Was like, that sponsored by Slim Jim, <laughs> No, no, no. Halloween Havoc sponsored Slim Jim. Uh, but I if, mean, in 98, though, sometimes the Slim Jim sponsorship would shift. Depending, <laughs> right? I'm serious. That really happened. It did. But if you recall, they had this really stupid cage match that I think people called Age in the Cage at the time what because it was hogan savage in 98 what was so bad about it though because that's what i don't remember because neither of them were really on their a game anymore by 98 that's fair enough but you know is, is that a warranted reason for why it sucks like in all honesty it's not good in general but i mean if it's it's probably not worse than undertaker boss man yeah boss man. <laughs> but you could also say the same that like it's not worse because you can blame the age there rather than it gets rude and warrior where they're like at their height. That's true. At least Savage and Hogan kind of have an excuse. It's you, like just yeah. one last like hurrah kind of thing. And the thing is, is rude warrior. What's disappointing about that more Quinn rude and Warrior. the WrestleMania five matches. Okay. Their SummerSlam 89 matches. It's incredible. So yeah. It seemed like kind of cool that like Warrior and Rude would renew their rivalry yeah. the next SummerSlam after having such a hot feud. Very hot feud. And it's kind of disappointing to me that instead of really putting something together that would really be kind of interesting and just a hard hitting match and they had the cage gimmick, you know, yeah. it, it fell really flat. It was a really bad match. You know, part of me wonders if um, Rick Rude you know, for whatever reason, he probably, I, I I always detect that he wanted out of the WWF for money or because he wasn't on at the top at by late, by mid 90 or whatever. Already by then, you think? I just felt like that was the case. And I felt like in that match, especially, like maybe Rude was like, you know what? I can just, they'll make me a main eventer. I can go to WCW and like be the world champion because I, I, he, he did. He truly, I could tell there's a part of him, you can just see it in how he, how he performs is he thinks he's a, a main eventer and he thinks he's held down by these guys by 90 yeah by the summer of 90 he's all over the place on the show he's on prime time all the yeah. time like he's cutting promos he's doing matches all like constantly he's clearly a main event star and he's trapped under hogan warrior and all these other idiots and honestly what they had planned for him after the warrior feud was a mid-card feud with the big boss man yeah exactly And he was ready at that stage in his career i mean rick root is is one of the most i'd say underrated wrestlers of all time yeah and i think he made the right business decision to go to so. WCW because even though it wasn't the biggest at least he would be the number one guy and that's what he was and he was convincing yeah. as the number one guy but with this warrior match it wasn't good but however I think I can't personally focus and this is the beauty of our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast and the beauty of our group and the interaction we're not going to think of everything yeah I don't have a list in front of me that says worst cage matches ever so to, to be fair there's not as many cage matches there's not and bad ones might not I might not even be remembering like some random shit from raw so if anything that we have missed on the best or the worst side 
please let us know on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Join the group. Email us. Whatever you want to do. But Quinn, honestly, I can pretty confidently say that Undertaker Big Bossman is one of the worst cage yeah, matches I've I ever seen. I would say that was probably number four. Yeah, I, I, I honestly. Can't, I can't really place anything that sticks out worse than those four that we've said. Yeah. And that, that would round out the list to me. It's quite a dandy of a list. Yeah. Uh, so we're in agreement. Number four, Undertaker Bossman, sure. Helen yeah, Cell. definitely. For number the four. Hanging. The Hanging. Die, die, die. Well, to recap for Donnie, our Death Valley of 90s cage matches, the Uncensored 96 Doomsday Cage, the Chamber of Horrors from Halloween Havoc 91, mm. Kettle from Hell, Dog Japan, yep. and <laughs> Undertaker versus Big Boss Man from... <laughs> <laughs> for WrestleMania 15. How is that at WrestleMania? I don't way? know, I still, man. That still boggles my mind. Well, we'll be back to boggle your mind shortly because when we come back, Pillman's got a gut, and I don't know what's going on here. More pee-pee. More <laughs> We're reviewing something right after this. I don't You know, some people think I'm a little strange. Other wrestlers think I'm a little strange. In fact, a lot of wrestlers don't even want to wrestle the anvil. Why, I don't know. Is it because when I pick a guy up for a body slam and I slam him to the floor, (laughs) maybe it's too much for them. Or when the anvil climbs the top rope and pow, (laughs) comes down upon people, maybe they don't like that. Maybe that hurts. <laughs> I love hurting other wrestlers, especially real big wrestlers and the real big challenges, because I like a challenge. <laughs> and welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. We're here romping you through the world of 1996. And Quinn, before we review something, we always like to give some love to our friends of the show, fellow podcasters that also do a tremendous job covering the world of retro or current wrestling. Working hard in the podosphere. Is that what they call it? Yes, the podiverse. They do. Uh-huh, the podiverse. Yes, that's yeah. right. So in the podiverse, we have a few great friends. First, I want you to check out the wrestling podcast about nothing. It's actually about wrestling. And it comes yeah. out every single Monday. It's hosted by two guys that actually work or have worked in the wrestling business. In the wrestling business. <laughs> what are you, Dave? Thomas over there? <laughs> One of them is an independent wrestling referee that is currently on an extended hiatus, and that would be Big Daddy Mean Mike Crockett, and he each week is hosted with Brian Malonis. Now, Quinn, Brian Malonis is a wrestler. He is, and he's also known as the Wine City Whaler. I'm hoping to see him at a Ring of Honor uh, New Super Japan, card, yeah. Super, oh, man. Super Duper card. We're going to that, so you better be there, Kingpin or yeah. Whaler or whatever we're calling you these come days. Come pick us up from the rafters. We'll come down to see it. <laughs> yeah, we'll be up on the Euchre seat. Yeah. So check out these guys, the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. They bring a great perspective because they grew up as fans, but they've also worked in the business. They'll give you a little retro, a little current, a little inside baseball, or I guess inside wrestling. So check them out, the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, every single Monday. Quinn, on Thursdays, there's a great show, and I'm not talking about Frazier. I'm not talking about Wings. I'm talking about Greetings from Allentown. Now, this is a one-man band, Quinn, and he's very lonely one man. Uh, His name is Peter Winston. He's our little brother. Little baby Petey. Little baby Petey great show. He's an artiste, you know. He is a uh, very artistic um, artisanal. Uh, Siliquies. Uh, Siliquies, yeah. Siliquies. Siliquies. Yeah, Siliquies. Yeah, That's what he does on his show. What he does, basically, with his Siliquies is he takes an episode of some wrestling show, I don't know, AWA 1989. 
Yeah. Now that'll be his backdrop, and onto that canvas, he will paint you a vivid picture of his own research that he does, his interweavings and anecdotes and asides. You'll get some baseball talk, something about Lowell, Massachusetts. Always Bruins. Yeah, the Bruins. It's a great show. It's the brother show of our vantage point of the Retro Wrestling Podcast, and that's every single Thursday. GF Allentown. Greetings from Allentown. Check out Petey. And also, I want to mention the shirt that I'm wearing today. Book in the territory. You can only see that shirt on the uh, video. The raw dump. That's yeah. right. Book in the territory with Mike Mills. That is a, a great show, Quinn, where they dive into the south of the Mason-Dixon line. They are the Southern Fried OVP. It's very Southern. It's very Southern, as yeah. my wife would say. Yeah. It's very, very Southern. So Mike Mills and company, they would get into the NWA, the Crockett stuff, some Smoky Mountain, great stuff. It is the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast, and it's a great time. So check out those three great friends of the show. That's WPAN, GF Allentown, and Book in the Territory with Mike Mills. But Quinn, finally... We've alluded to it a lot. We've discussed it a lot. We've talked about its importance. We've talked about Kevin Kelly peeing his pants. We yeah. are reviewing something. It's one of my favorite episodes of Raw. We're finally doing it. Yep. It's WWF Monday Night Raw, November 4th, 1996. And before we get into it, I want to mention one, well, two, two specific things that I want you guys to keep in mind as we review this. Number one, this is the first WWF Raw to air at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. On the USA Network. Well, they sure took advantage of that. <laughs> so this was still a one-hour show at this point. Nitro had long since expanded to two. But in an effort to kind of stay par with WCW, they figured, well, we might as well start our shows at the same damn time yeah. so people aren't watching Nitro for a whole hour before right. Raw. So they had Raw start at 7.57 eventually. Right. Remember specifically yeah. 7.57? Remember that weird era where like you would you would finish Raw, but there was still an hour left of Nitro to deal with? Yes. Like, that, was, that was stranger to me. This is that era. Yeah. And not only is it the first 8 p.m., or a little earlier, less kids in bed, so mm-hmm. to speak, it is also half live, half taped. And what I mean by that is the matches we're going to see were taped on October 21st, 1996. And you can sure as hell tell that. But the commentary and one particular angle all were aired live on November 4th as it happened. And as a result of that, there's some pretty edgy stuff that happens at the end of the show that WWE have gotten some hot water over. I'm going to say that this might be the most creatively produced wrestling television episode I've ever seen. Well, you like to speak about making lemonade out of lemons or making chicken salad from chicken shit. Yeah. This is what they did here. You'll see. They have shit to work with. Yeah, because Raw, honestly, had been overall pretty shitty for a couple of years. Right. It yeah. really was still. Yeah, and this this lineup of garbage, it's a parade of garbage, really. Yeah, if they didn't put this angle around this garbage, this would be a yeah. horrible episode of Raw. Right. Yeah. So let's get right to it. We have the Thunder and Lightning, the World Wrestling Federation, for over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. <laughs> I hated the fifth that they had to brag about the fifth years, and it wasn't even. It wasn't like, even fifty. What, what, what were they referencing? Like Jess McMahon? Like, <laughs> I think so. Oh, I, and Toots, of course. Yeah, Toots Mont. The Gold Dust Trio. So, la- <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Gold Dust, uh, last week <laughs> Brett and Austin were mad at each other. Austin threw a guy into a ladder. We talked about that. That was funny, and yep. I like that episode of Raw. Go check it out. And tonight, uh, Pillman is standing by at his house in Walton, Kentucky. So that'll be interesting. And you said, Quinn, this is actually a decent period of time. It's decent, but it, it's all Austin at this point and it's all austin brett, brett. pillman those yeah, are like honestly. the three people that matter and a little sean and sid are like they're it's okay. like okay yeah it's not great but it's not yeah, bad it's not bad so that's kind of like the landscape if you will yeah, like the, the people that matter yes 
Not many of them, but yeah. a handful. Yeah. Uh, we're back to the classic Raw theme after that horrendous one that they had for a while. Like, Which one are you speaking? Uh, uh, you know yeah. that like really werewolf Sean, Sean on the roof? dancing on the roof? Yeah, yeah that yes. thing. We're back to the classic one that would last a little while longer. <laughs> we open with Kevin Kelly live at Brian Pillman's house. Pillman's uh, kids are at the grandparents. That's what we found out. <laughs> yeah, I think somebody should be checking Kevin <laughs> Kelly's diaper already because he, he already looks nervous. He says Pillman's very tense. Uh, yeah. Would you say it's a tenses? It's a tenses. <laughs> My lord, this is quite the tenses. Back to ringside for some nice taped action. Oh, good. Something with Goldust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ugh. Goldust and Marlena enter. They are still heels for only a little while longer. But following them closely, Quinn, is Mr. Perfect and Prison Crush. <laughs> what a weird combination. Ugh. And uh, Triple H, right? Was H even out there? Yeah, he was. He was out there? Yeah, I think it was the whole team. This is King's Survivor Series team. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. <laughs> what, what this team, team sucks. Triple H. <laughs> Prison crush. Prison crush. Like Clarence Mason is there. Like horrible. What a parade of idiots. What a shit team. It, it really is. Yeah. Goldless opponent, by the way, speaking of shit, is the stalker without face paint. Oh, look, another shit team. Yeah. This team might be worse. <laughs> I, how did they mash all this shit together? Well, you were saying, like, what even was this gimmick? I don't get it because, okay, so I guess he's supposed to be like, he's kind of like an extension of Skinner. Like that's what, like that's like the most I can gather from it. He wears like camo, got a mustache. He's got a wasn't there like vignettes of him coming up from like the water or from whatever the swamp? Yeah. yeah, there was. So it's like he's kind of like Skinner, but he's more of a hunter type. Where Skinner's more like a going out fishing type on a boat. He goes in the water. Right? So they both go to Dick's, is what you're trying to right, tell they me. They go to Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> the problem is the mustache on Barry makes him look like a different kind of stalker and not the good kind. <laughs> like should not be allowed. In a school zone type yeah, stalker like, should be a registered offender of, of some thing he doesn't look um on the up and up no, let's he put doesn't. it that way i think honestly quinn from what i understand is barry windham immediately gave up on this gimmick hence his wwf shirt and like camo pajamas <laughs> i would give up on it too to be fair i mean man did wwf fuck him over every time it's barry windham how do they keep doing this they keep getting him and they keep screwing it up every time You're and then he'd be a right. blackjack after this like how is this possible just have him go in put on great matches and like do his thing what is the issue with that like no it's insane but his team that follows suit is mark marrow mark henry and rocky Maivia. it's almost like the nation like <laughs> yeah with mark marrow yeah, instead yeah. so doc hendricks enter interrupts this exciting contest to let us know may i note he's from the interview center he is or that he is center. live though yeah. He lets us know that Steve Austin is on the phone en route to Brian Pillman's house. So Austin is now on the car phone. Right. Got, got Steve on the car phone. What's up, Steve? And it really is the era of the car phone. Yeah, that was a real thing in 96. Yeah. So Austin's basically upset that Pillman took his interview time and turned it into a shrine for Bret Hart. Why are you going to Brian Pillman's house? Hey, he's the one that brought this whole mess on. He took my interview time, tried to turn it into a shrine to worship Bret the Hitman Hart. So basically, we get another verse from the Book of Austin. It's Austin 2517. I will strike down upon your ass with great vengeance and furious anger. Yep, that's the Austin Bible. Yep, uh, Austin 2517. Go, go find it. Has got two verses in yeah. it. So Austin says he has a whole six-pack of whoop-ass for Pillman, not just a can. Yeah. A whole six-pack, Quinn. It's also an allusion to the fact that he's drinking beer while he's driving, well, by the way. <laughs> it is Kentucky. Yeah. So King mentions Pillman having a gun, and Vince says, hey, knock it off! <laughs> that idiot Pillman threatened last week said he's going to have a 
a gun there. All right, knock it off. Vince is like a concerned father the entire show. And that's one thing you want to pay attention to is the commentary in this because it's brilliant. It really is. 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 It's it's actually really good. I think it's really good. So meanwhile, this match sucks. And you said, Quinn, this show is basically, well, we've got these matches, so let's just have Austin talk over them. Yeah, that's all it is. It's it's like they watched it right first. And they were like, man, this is just so horrible. (laughs) And so it's like Vince Russo wrote an angle. You're not allowed to give him credit. Remember, he never did anything good. Yeah. He wrote wrote an angle. Never. He took this episode, like, without the commentator audio, and he said, we're going to put this angle over top of this episode and just do that, and that's it. And that's literally the whole thing. That's what this is. They took this shit-canned stuff from three weeks earlier, and they made something out of it. And that is a creative achievement. That's why I say it's one of the most creative episodes of wrestling television you'll ever find. They really did take a pile of dog shit, and they improvised and made something great about it. Made it one of the most iconic episodes of Raw, I'd say, of the 90s. Yeah, one of like the most memorable. At, I, I still like get goosebumps at some of the points in this, like because I see him and I'm like, man, I just remember like takes you back. Huh? It takes me back, and I just remember being like almost scared. Like, is this real? A little like, confused. Yeah, a little confused. Absolutely. Like, yeah. But meanwhile, Mark Henley looks like a big doofus in his <laughs> USA attire. So King decides to get quote unquote off commentary, even though the commentary is being done live. And why go- is King captain of a Survivor <laughs> I don't know. Series team? Doesn't yeah. he have commentary to do? <laughs> this is so dumb. Why is King the they captain of a Survivor whip him Series? Out at the most awkward times, too. Well, like- I heard that he always whipped it out at the most awkward times. Oh, okay. Puppies, JR! Goldust kisses Wyndham and misses a flying asshole drop off the top rope as we go to break. <laughs> we get a really weird promo for Austin versus Brett. Dogs are going woof woof. They're probably the kennel from that, Hell Dogs. That, that's actually the woof woof from the Raw opening. It is. That stock footage that WWF shot like that one time. <laughs> that, that one the cops t- with the flashlight, yeah. the chain link fence. <laughs> that you know, was done for the, the, moon. the, the dancing on the ceiling yep, thing. They yeah. just always creatively reuse it. Austin basically... Um, says ass a lot in a rusty warehouse. And I'm like, is this where Austin lives? <laughs> like, like, Why is he always in an abandoned warehouse? From a, from a warehouse in Austin, Texas, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> ass, 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 yeah. Bret Hart, boy toy. Yeah, exactly. He says boy toy and Bret Hart a real lot. Anyway, back to the match that no one cares about. King gets all feisty on the outside with Mark Henry. The bell rings. It's a double DQ. And you had some interesting insight about Prison Crush. I will say Prison Crush is better than Prison Patera. <laughs> like, he has to be. Because yeah. at least, okay, at least prison has shaped him, right? He has a tattoo on his face, which you assume was like, well, he needed to be in a gang or he'd get his ass whooped or he'd get yeah. shanked or something. Yeah, he so get like, shanked, yeah. So, like, he, he, he's hardened. He, he's hardened. He assimilated. It seems like more of a direct consequence for going to prison, whereas Patera's like, gee golly, like, don't be bad. <laughs> like, it's like, it's kind of like the right message. It's like, this is kids, this is what can happen to you. So you- <laughs> like, don't fucking take steroids or whatever he did to go sell firearms yeah sell steroids take steroids don't do that shit i think this is a more effective example is all i'm saying fair enough quinn so these teams brawl for a while with the faces getting the upper hand no one cares we go live to doc with a survivor series report we're gonna have taker versus mankind that would be the debut at survivor series quinn of the stones are so cold undertaker right that's the good undertaker may i report also that doc is not in the chin studio he's (laughs) He's in the same, like, weird, like, stupid lights behind him that he was in yeah. when he's reporting live. Yes, he's so a, it's it, a green screen with an effect on it. It's interesting to me that the event center is live on this, because it has Specifically to be. Specifically on this episode, that yeah. That is really weird, That's and they rare. never do that. Yeah, it's absolutely rare. Yeah. So last week on the Big Bang Boom Tour, yes, really, it was really called That's that. really the name of it. Mankind was yelling about The Undertaker, but then Undertaker gonged, and then his voice came over, and he quoted Mark Twain by saying, The reports of my demise 
are greatly exaggerated. And then the executioner character. <laughs> yeah, he's like wandering around. That'd be Terry Gordy. I, I love the executioner character. I've commented on this before. We did a commentary yeah, on I, that match from December. It is the dumbest shit ever, but so for whatever stupid. reason, Terry Gordy, like, he worked very hard on yes. this character. Like, he tried, and that's something that, will, like, you might remember it as shit, yeah. but when you look back, you're like, holy crap. Like, he, you know, he wasn't like... He had fun with it. He had fun with it, yeah. So did I, Mankind. So I always give credit to that character. Oh, it's fun. It's yeah. harmless, it's like honestly. It's two months. Who yeah. cares? Like, <laughs> leave it alone. Nothing worth getting upset <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. Anyway, we go to Kevin Kelly at Pillman's house. So here's the scoop. Pillman's mm-hmm. mad. Right. All right. He talks about how mad he is at Austin. There's a fine line between business and private lives. Austin, you've crossed that line. You've made this personal. Vince interrupts to say that Austin is circling the neighborhood. If I can inter- interject this, uh, I have, so I'm told that, uh, in fact, that we have uh, Mr. Austin circling the neighborhood. Pillman says, Steve is a dead man walking. He busts out his gun. Because when Austin 316 meets Pillman, oh my God. Millimeter clock, oh my God. Kevin Kelly pees himself. <laughs> Someone's like, Austin's out there now, man. So then, of course, we cut to a Karate Fighters commercial. Yeah, what a weird <laughs> cut. Although, there's probably two or three iconic shots. The one where Pillman's cocking the gun. Hmm. Whatever it's, it's called, cock. what is that? Is that what it's called when you're yes. when he's holding it up? It's like Pillman nine millimeters coming yeah. for your ass or something. That is like seared in my brain when he does that. Well, let's have some real talk here. I cannot personally think of the last time, if any time, on WWF television where someone pulled a gun. It's never. Happened I don't know if since. it ever happened before. I don't that. think it happened before. It's actually interesting to me that they did it because. If you would think in a sport where people have real are supposed to have real grudges where they want to beat the shit out of someone, Mm -hmm. you would think at some point somewhere would escalate to somebody pulls a gun. It's only natural. It's only natural, right? Because human beings are, you know, stupid when they get mad. There's only so many times you can hear, I'm going to kick your butt. Right, exactly. So for this to happen, I can't believe it. It's kind of awesome. I like it. Yeah, I'm going to talk later about it. It's also a television show. Yeah. It's the other thing, which is why I think it was such a taboo, is that people still, even though they thought wrestling was fake, they still felt it should be in the conventions of sports. Yes. Where it should be like it's real. Right. But the thing that you're forgetting is you're watching a fictional television show. It is. He probably, that gun is probably not real. <laughs> right. Or like, loaded. Or at least, loaded. Right? Yeah. It's a, it's a show. Just enjoy it. People, it's a TV show. People pull out guns on regular shows on USA Network all the time, and nobody complains. Silk stockings, yeah, for example, yeah, the exa- Femme Nikita. Right, exactly. Or does she do kung fu or something? I don't know what if she does. If there's kung fu, there's probably guns because she's fighting crooks. So good point, Quinn. Yeah. So you want to hear about the Karate Fighters tournament? It's yeah, very important. It was so important that we cut off <laughs> yeah. to go to that. So the Toddster is with the King to preside over Sid versus Marlena. What a weird. For, can I just say the Toddster for a second? Yeah. Isn't that weird to say that after Pillman just whipped out a gun two yeah. seconds ago? Yes. You pull this scene off for me, and I'll make you the biggest star in this town. Uh, so Marlena cuts a very sensual promo with her karate fighter there. Sid is shirtless in jeans. He wins the match in four seconds. Great. <laughs> Next week, it's Doc versus Sable. I feel those should have been two out of three falls. Those two karate- out of three falls. Because it's just, I've, I had karate fighters as a kid, and yeah. like 
it's quick as shit. Like it doesn't. It, it's completely random if you win. So at least give me like rock paper scissors. Right. Or, like do it like three times. It's rock'em sock'em robots with uh, karate toys yeah, instead. Yeah. It's the same shit. It's random. I yeah. just. It's cool that WWF did a tournament. I'm surprised Karate Fighters got them to do that. Like film the whole thing. They did three in a row. I yeah. think ninety five, six, and seven. That's right? crazy. I think it was something like that. Anyway, we cut back to Austin outside of Pillman's house, beating up Pillman's friends. This is where we have the iconic shot of Austin dunking one of them into the kiddie pool. Probably the second iconic yeah. shot of this. Then he tussles with the ripped shirt guy, as we'll call him. I also love that Vince McMahon only refers to them as Brian Pillman's friends because yes. they come back later. Yes. And he just keeps saying, Brian Pillman's friends! Yes. Brian Pillman's friends! <laughs> That's their name. That, so amidst this brawl, we get to see pizza boxes being thrown out, <laughs> trash cans, car doors. This looks like an actual brawl, Quim. Like, it's shot like cops is shot. Yes, it's shot like cops and it seems real. It seems real. That's the best thing I can say about all of it is that it seems real. And that was one of the things that Vince Russo, and again, I'm not saying that he was always a good mentality, but it, in this period of time it was, he wanted to bring some grit and some realism to the show. Yeah, and I think the director on site is Kerwin Sophie's. I, I want to give him some credit because he directed, yep. it, it takes a director to, for the filming. Yep, and I he think Bruce the, produced this yeah. too. But Kerwin, whatever he was doing with the directing, he he knew exactly how this should look. How to capture it, yeah. Because yeah. it looks like cops, right, honestly. Yeah. Like it, the one camera shot with the low lighting and Following stuff. Following Austin, yeah. walking around. It's done, yeah. it's done like something you would see on a reality show yeah. or something like that. And it's only 1996. Yep. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't you ever mess with me, son. Austin with a vicious little red wagon shot, and then he stomps <laughs> around the front of the house in his high-tech boots. Vince starts now starting to try to bend kayfabe. The best way Vince can say that without breaking kayfabe is calling it a publicity stump by Austin. Makes me so mad. I hate it. I know, but he that, had to. Right, but I don't like it because in this reality, it should be, it's like tensions have escalated. It's not like he's doing this to get publicity he's doing it because he fucking hates I know, it like but vince is trying to say that like he's going too far and he's he's you know making a stunt of the whole thing i don't, I don't know it's it's a fine line to tread the terminology to is silly to me. i don't agree with the terminology yeah. either back to ringside where alex porto <laughs> is in the it, ring it really just goes to show i mean come on he's got the steiner's music and he's taking on the sultan quinn yeah what a contrast what a difference between right? this and the live shit and with I don't austin care What's going on in the ring right now? Like, I know. There's a guy with a gun, and the other guy's about to go in the room, and you're, like, making me wait. Like, I know. I, we, yeah, meanwhile. Like Steiner Brothers, fate, like, not their, their, it is their music, but not them. It's not but, them, yeah, so yeah. I care even less. Then Backlund, of course, one of the Sultan's managers, storms into the ring, cuts a cocaine-fueled promo. This is kind of funny, it though. It is. Like, How the Sultan's going to bring us into the 21st century as a WWF champion. the 21st century no. as the Sultan. No way. This man is going to bring you in to the 21st century as the WWF champion. Vince and Jerry talk about the gun situation in a very serious, non-kayfabe tone of voice. Meanwhile, I just need to mention, in the ring is Fatu with a muzzle and MC Hammer Pants. Yeah. So the, the dichotomy here, the contrast that's going on. Mm -hmm. King tries to warn Pillman. He's like, Pillman, if you're watching, put the gun away, call the cops. I would say King, this is where it gets interesting because the announcers get all topsy-turvy with like heel and face alliances and stuff. Like, it, it just becomes real. It becomes very real. And um, 
do you think they added this storyline because this show just sucked basically like yeah because now we've we're at the set what is this, the second third match what is this it's the second match and it's, it's horrible. horrible it's all the yeah. worst things of 1996 yeah. it's alex porto and the sultan i mean yeah. really what are we doing Enough. here camel clutch ends this shit king again stresses the importance of pillman not pulling this is a heel jerry right. lawler yeah. right pillman once again if you're watching send somebody outside and tell no, you gotta send anybody else. Oh, you got a reason with with Steve Austin somehow. Steve Austin cannot go in that house with a gun in there. But he's not being Jerry the King Lawler. He's just being Jerry Lawler now. Right. He's Jerry Lawler the human being. Right. Like saying Pillman, don't pull the gun. Yeah. Meanwhile, we clip back to Kevin Kelly while Pillman has that gun drawn. And Kevin Kelly's pants are very wet with <laughs> pee at this point. They're very leaky. Yeah. Austin breaks into the side door of Pillman's, I don't know, rec room next to that fridge. Okay, this, this I would say, is like, to me, one of the other iconic shots. This is the one that, like, I think about all the time. Like, the one where I'm like, wow, that is fucking scary as shit. Like, Austin's breaking in like he's like a bad guy in a Lifetime movie or he something. He takes a crowbar to a glass window and shatters it and then just sticks his hand in and, like, unlike, that's like the Some most, villain like... villain shit. That's like the most villainy shit ever. And it he's is. Supposed, he's, the, he's the heel, but I mean, he like, is. it's also, like, blurred lines, too, because they're, they're both kind of cursing at each other. So. Neither of them are good. Yeah, they're... But- Pillman's a heel, too. But Pillman's defending his house, to right. be fair to yeah. him. You know what I mean? But that's scary as shit. Like, imagine if that happened to you. Somebody, like, broke your glass window of your, like, back door while you were in the back and, room. And you can't walk. You can't walk. Your wife's right next to you. Yeah. You're immobile. And, Plus, your fridge looks like shit. And, can, and the only person... What is to, that room? Yeah. <laughs> the only person there to defend you is Kevin Kelly. <laughs> and his khakis. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody call the police. Vince is uh, Vince is starting to panic as Austin breaks in. Pillman's ready to shoot. We lose transmission. Go in there! So, of course, we go to the ring with Jim Ross and a big, goofy WBF podium. He introduces Sid, who's going to debate Shawn Michaels. Why do we care about this? Like, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Did you just see what happened? He broke through the door. Pillman may have shot it he may have not we don't know but fuck like austin like what this is ridiculous i can't uh. vince says they're gonna interrupt this debate in a moment's notice if they have to i hope they do because i don't care and actually this part in retrospect is not even that bad it's just like but what after the, seeing this what is the placement here like they should have put the pug thing after this right. they should have re-edited yes, it yes they should have actually the worst version of HBK Anders you got the denim shirt and Jose Lothario behind him now it's actually he has on the official Shawn Michaels denim jacket that uh, Barry Blaustein or whatever <laughs> that guy is I don't know uh, Barry Dodinsky the Dinsky sells the like, merch guy he actually like wore that coat at some point in, why remember and he had the Shawn Michaels uh, shades the heart ones you didn't have those did no, you no that looked that was for women that was for kevin kelly but honestly quinn why do we need a debate as we'll find out we really didn't it's very funny you'll yeah, see what it's happens really weird because this is completely unnecessary you want to go into it yeah Joe? so we get clips of sid powerbombing sean from last april which they address that they're like that was a long time ago we're over that shit and then sean's like yeah i got news for you i got sid out of the loony bin and sid's like that's bullshit <laughs> that was funny first of all that's bullshit so we get more to it. JR is try, trying to stir shit up because last week, as video evidence clearly shows, Sid elbowed Sean by like, accident. Completely by accident. And, and Sean's not even mad about yeah, it. Yeah. And Jerry's like, why'd you hit him? Why'd you hit him? And yeah. Sean's like, oh, you know, it was a mistake. And then like Sean's rambling on and Vince butts in, of course, to say, 
we don't have the satellite feed yet. Thank <laughs> that you, Vince. That was so dumb, yeah. So basically, Sid's like, yeah, it was a mistake. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's basically... What is the feud? What are they feuding about? They're basically like, yeah, we know. It's it's fine. They brushed funny bones? <laughs> like, I, what is this? So anyway, Sean quotes Ric Flair by saying, to be the man, as the saying goes, you've got to beat the man. He Sid- does He does at least acknowledge that it's a saying. Yes. Like, he doesn't take credit for that. He doesn't. Yeah. Uh, Sid laughs maniacally. Sean knocks over the podium. Sid yells at Jose Lothario. Good. Yeah, so up a 60-year-old man. Yeah. Sean gets all mad. They get a little testy with each other, and then Cornette gets on the mic and yeah. leads Vader, Owen, and Bulldog down the aisle. Oh, look, it's the guy who wrote this shit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe Cornette had something to do with the yeah. segment. Sean and St- Sid stand back-to-back, and they go at it with the heels. Owen with a very happy chair shot <laughs> to Sid while still wearing his tag title That's belt. That's the most Owen shit. <laughs> yeah. Owen would never take his belt off. If he could so somehow good. keep the slammy like around his neck or he something, would. he would. Yeah. He would. So the faces clear the ring, and so. Sid sees Sean holding the chair, naturally assuming that Sean hit him. Does he have peripheral vision? I don't Didn't know. Didn't you see that the chair hit was like Sean was getting beat up? Yeah, I like know. He was like, on, they were on the side of each other. Well, he wasn't a loony bin, quite, yeah. I'm just saying. As they bicker, Owen tries to sneak in and like hit them yeah. again. Sid catches him. Sean and Sid wind up going at it again while Briscoe, Gurria, the whole run of them, yeah, Goulet, a lot of them, Jack Lanza, and a Cosby sweater, Pat Patterson, come in and break into the hell ups. Honestly, this angle is probably second only to the Brett and Pillman and Austin stuff. Like it's yeah, like it's it, not bad. What they were what they were saying, it was compelling and and like it's I will okay. say this, even though it's like hard to see why they disagree, it seems like the what they're going for. It's it's the first experimentations again of gray areas. Like that, that there's not. There's not a definitive good no. guy or bad guy here. It's kind of like these two kind of like it's a rivalry. Sid never turned heel, though. Sid never turned heel. Sean's not heel either. No, they're kind of turning up their anger towards each other. Yeah, right? They have like, problems. They're just frustrated. They just you know they what I mean? both want to be champion. Yeah. And, and only one of them can be. Right. And it'll be Sid. Yeah. It's awesome. And then Sean again. But unfortunately, yeah. and then he doesn't lose it because yeah. he, he can't wrestle ever again. Well, until a little bit later in yeah. 97. So we get a very unsettling full metal promo that was the first WFCD. It's oh, got the a, one with the kid, right? Yeah, it's got like an eight-year-old kid dressed like stripper Shawn Michaels. And, and Marlena, Marlena, which is just, really weird. It, and Fred Blassie's like laughing about it. The like, whole, ha, ha, ha. This tunic makes me want to mock. <laughs> it's very creepy. Vince yeah. trying to be funny is what I'll chalk that up to. We, yeah, that's like a billionaire Ted yeah, style really. thing. Very bad. We cut back to the fuzzy screen where the satellite feed is still not restored. Thanks for the update. According to the WWE Network, Network's little insert, like how they put on the match tags. Yeah, they and stuff. tell you what the next match is. So this next match is Mark Murko. Oh, remember him versus quote unquote Razor Ramon. Yeah, <laughs> I like that they actually added the quotes. It is funny, Mark, Mark Murko. Murko. That's actually more amazing. Like I can, the people they seem to be pretty clever over at WWE Network. Yeah, with, like they get the Razor. Like we yeah. should know what that is, and I'm glad they did that. Yes, but the Mark Murko is, <laughs> is a very funny. poor mistake. Yeah, so Murko enters with Sable in a short glittery gown. Glittery yeah, gown. This is Okay, so this is weird because I'd never seen Sable presented like this up to this point. I she was mm. always presented like a Miss Elizabeth character, very yeah, she conservative. Was. You're right. But short skirt for Sable, that's whoa, yeah. hey there. I've never seen her presented this talented or charismatic. Okay. Razor's music hits, which is nice to hear. However, it's not nice to see. Yeah. Fake Razor Ramon, Rick Bogner, Big Titan. Yeah. Mayor Fake Diesel is with him. And right. The Vin- mayor of Diesel <laughs> Vince and Jerry care so much about this that all they talk about is the Pillman Austin thing. I don't blame them. And this is where it gets really good on 
on commentary. Vince uh, King says Vince shouldn't have sent cameras there if he knew Austin was planning on being there. Okay, yeah, this gets really weird. Very pulling back the curtain, yeah, you know like what this, I mean? This gets strange. We stated before that sometimes in the World Wrestling Federation, individuals can get carried away. They almost can start believing in themselves. I don't know that that's not what we have with Steve Austin. Great difficulty. Everybody believes in themselves. By the way, fake razor's color of choice tonight, green. JR storms in. He's a heel, so he like he heals it up. I hate his, I know, his I, character stinks. I don't like heel JR Although either. Although it's used somewhat effectively here. For the only time, I'd say, yeah. is right here. Right. So uh, fake razor has the mannerisms down. I'll say that much. He Like, anything happened to this gold? Something <laughs> happened to you? Like, at least he tries to be like right, Scott right, Hall. yeah. Fake Razor sucks. Don't oh, get me yeah. wrong. But, I don't know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's great. But or he's anything. trying. Uh, Vince gives very like sad play by play. Yeah, it's like the Yes Network <laughs> rain delay version of Vince. It's like like all sad. Razor Ramon against the Wild Man Mark Merrow, and I must say, in terms of the skills of the Wild Man, certainly that perfect hoax, as they call it. Thankfully, Kerwin Silphies is on the phone. He's in the truck away from the house. He doesn't know what's going on. There's no power in the house, apparently. Why would the power go out? I don't know. That makes no sense, honestly. Well, the only thing I could think of was Austin that fucking creepy that he, like, went to, like, where the line was and, like, hit it with a machete or something. <laughs> now he's be- got a machete? Before, like, he, like, or maybe he found in the yard one of those hedge clippers and then maybe he, Brutus Beefcake was one of Pillman's friends. Yeah, he cut the line and then he went in. Like after, because he saw the gun right and he's like, well, he can't hit me if he can't see me. Like, you know? He's getting very scary now. Yeah. So I don't think King was supposed to say this because it's the only time this word is uttered. But King very loudly says, did you hear any gunshots? <laughs> yeah. And then Kerwin's like, oh, uh, yeah, I heard what sounded like explosions because that's what they call it the rest of the what show. What is that about? The I don't explosions know. Thing. I like that King just said fuck it and said yeah. gun, gunshots. Well, he should have. This is a serious <laughs> moment i know and vince is like uh Kerwin, you uh, what happened here you know vince is all serious <laughs> yeah. king is like are they gonna fix the picture are we gonna get the satellite back and jerry's like i better stay safe and not worry about the darn picture <laughs> what about any noises it, yeah did what, you hear what, any gunshots what, what was well when everything went dead i heard something sounded like Gosh. a couple of explosions but i don't know what they were it, are what, they gonna continue room? are they gonna try to get us a some picture from there? Better stay safe for the better do and not worry about the dark pictures. Well, Jared's right. Jared's right. Yeah. We go to break. We come back. Vince is still sad. I'm sorry, fans. Yeah, basically. Uh, Kerwin's back. Nothing new has happened. Thank you, Kerwin. Yeah. Vince is aghast that the cops haven't arrived yet. I'm aghast that the cops... How long have they had to get there? <laughs> I don't know, but Kerwin's excuses were out in the sticks somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> so as Kerwin's talking in the background, we hear, hey, and then the phone cuts out. This is amazing. What a great touch. I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot about the fact that Kerwin's on the phone and yeah. you hear somebody seemingly yelling at him to get off the phone. Yeah. Like, and as if they're coming to beat him up, yeah, too. Yeah, like, like something's getting scary. dangerous, right? Yeah. Wait, hey! Meanwhile, JR starts blaming Vince and Vince bending kayfabe, you know, don't give me that crap. That's right. Vince starts getting very, you know, not real. This is all planned, but very pissy with JR. I don't blame him. I got mad at JR at yeah. this point. You should have known. Shut the fuck up. Now, of all people, King plays the peacemaker. He's like, right. guy, and like in serious voices, like, yeah. guys, guys, can we call the match? Vince and JR are still going at it. And King, King's like, well, we got Mark Merrill yeah. in the ring. Like, <laughs> 
kicking the big face. <laughs> trying like the whole, the biggest face of the whole thing. Trying to restore order. No, and listen, guys. This, this is, is this no is, time for don't you give two me guys that to crap. get into it. Let's call the match. Don't get smart. Don't get wise. Well, there's, there's, uh, there's Sable a at ringside. Mark Merrill. To, there, come no, on, I guys. Say this. Perfect and Triple H come down to ringside. Ugh. We get a promo for the Big Bang Boom Tour. They're in Canada. You know, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, yep. Buffalo. It's close enough. It's near Scott Keith, right? Near Steve Bennett. Yeah. Uh, back to this great match. <laughs> Triple H throws Merrill off the top while Perfect distracts Earl. Fake Razor hits the fake Razor's Edge for the win. That is so weird. What the? F- that, I, I didn't did not, remember I that. Did not see that. And by the way, I note to you, um, Homer. He looks like Homer Simpson playing Razor Ramon. <laughs> like that's like what fake Razor looks like. It finally like hit me. I was like looking at his face. And I was like, it's Homer Simpson as Razor Ramon. He does look like him. You're right. So Vince apologizes for his lack of enthusiasm and. Really, now he knows how the fans felt. Yeah. <laughs> Lack of enthusiasm. Yeah. That is 1996 for most of the year, man. Sable's all Miss Elizabeth about this might, horrific loss. She might as well be yelling on, because that camera keeps going, she might as well be like, oh, Randy! Seriously. Like, like, she's very upset about this loss, by the way. I would be too if I lost a fake Razor yeah. Ramon. <laughs> she's very, like, devastated. <laughs> then we get a recap of Austin breaking in. King is like, a man with a gun. That's stupid. This is stupid. <laughs> what? What with King now all of a sudden not being like a seven-year-old man-child? Like, seriously. Because it's supposed to be the real-life Jerry yeah, Lawler he, now. He's, is like, now he's Jerry. Yeah, like, he's not the king anymore. He's not the guy with the crown. You right. know, This is the real human being with empathy. He's like, this is stupid. I don't yeah, like this, yeah. guys. See, this is stupid. I don't know what the hell is going on here. What do you mean? Here? Well, like, the man with a gun. That's stupid. What the hell is that? This is stupid. Yeah. So anyway, the feed is finally restored as Pillman's friends. Surprisingly, because Kerwin yeah. told us it wasn't coming back. Well, you know, he, he, they were working hard there yeah. in that truck. Working hard on the go. Pillman's <laughs> friends and some old man are trying to yeah, hold what? Pillman back. Where did he come from? I don't know who that is. So Kevin Kelly is like, nobody's been shot. Nobody's been struck by any of the uh, any any of the explosions. And then he pees himself as Austin runs back in. Pillman says he's going to kill that son of a bitch a few times. Kevin Kelly hops up and down. He's like, call the police. Call the police. <laughs> Call the police! Call the police! Lawler's all, grab him, Kevin! Yeah, what the fuck? Like, he's the only one with Pillman. And he's able-bodied. Melanie is, like, all scared. Kevin Kelly's a grown-ass fucking man. And this dude doesn't, only has one leg. He can't hold him back, like, seriously? Try it! Come on, Kevin! (laughs) There's a gun! There's a life at stake! Do something! Pillman says, fuck, Vince gets legit upset. He's like, oh, whoa, whoa. Like, the real Vince got upset <laughs> well, there. Well, this is real life, Vince. And it is really live, yeah. too. Call the police! All right. And we go to Black with the last words being King saying, grab the gun! And that's it. And that's it. Now, Quinn, I want to get your perspective here, and I think you'll give a good perspective. Despite what we think of it, there have been people that have said this was way over the top. Uh, Meltzer's commenting on how this sucked He's an idiot. USA, and I understand why they didn't like it, because at the end there, it, you can't say, you shouldn't say fuck. The cursing, yes. Okay. Um, that clearly was a mistake. Though. I agree. Like that Heat of the moment type I, of thing. I don't think Pillman was trying no, to no, curse no. on TV. And like, I think they apologized yeah, for what they had that's, to. That's a sorry, like, sorry. Like, just... Right. Now, the purists out there at the time, and again, fans, let us know what you think of this. Honestly, I, I do want to know, because I don't care. It's wrestling. It's fine. If you like their tone, it's okay. But say this is way over the top, you know, a man with a gun, blah, blah, blah. I want to hear you explain why this was necessary. First of all, it has a lot to do with 
Austin, how this all started. He did this infamous thing called pilmanizing him, which is still a thing. Yeah. It's that infamous. He took the chair, he wedged his leg in between it, yep. and he and he landed on the like the portion of the like the feet of the chair, yep. which if you did that to somebody, it would completely squash their ankle. Ankle. Yeah. So this was a vicious injury. These two guys had a history. They were supposed to be an ex-tag team. Yep. Both heels. Both are heels. And both were willing to do whatever it took to get revenge. In real life, if two men were physically attacking each other all the time, um, not that it's right, but it would probably eventually escalate to something like this if it kept happening. They're both unstable people. Right. One of them is injured, has right. a wife, Yeah, wanted to protect his home. Right. Another guy is a psychopath breaking in. Right. As the characters that are confronting each other, are, this result is perfectly plausible. All the motivations make sense. Right. Exactly. And from a wrestling point of view, right. in terms of what traditional wrestling had been, I don't see this as anything more controversial or edgy in a bad way than what NWO is doing. Yeah. They were attacking people with bats. That was very violent as well. Right. Now, is a gun something you want on every episode of what? No, probably no. Not, no other episode. It's fine. To me, but this, this is so crazy in a good way. Yeah. Um, it should be literally like it once every fucking 30 years in wrestling. Right. I'm, I'm not joking. I, I like, know what you mean. It should be like the most extreme possible situation. Yes. But this called for it. It was warranted. It at, was absolutely warranted. It, it was the right time to do it. And it set the tone for things to come for right. 1997. And things would get fucking crazier. Like, they would abduct Stephanie and put her on, like, a crucifix or whatever. Yeah, and, that like, was too much. Right, but my point is, is that, like, and they didn't pull a gun on that shit either. I agree I'm with just you. saying. I think this was a one-time-only thing, but I think it was a perfect seed to be planted for the eventual Attitude Era. Whatever you think of that, no matter how you slice it up, Something needed to happen to change up the damn product for WWF. Oh, and this was like a fucking earthquake. This this shook it up. This shook it up big time. All of a sudden, Austin looks like a guy that means business. And right. it's not just idle threats and beating up people that can't fight him back. Right. No, if you fuck with him, he's going to go to your house and beat you up. Right. And it added levity to the Bret Hart feud, too. Right, exactly. Because then it, it, Bret, who's a family man, this guy looks like the worst possible thing. What if he shows up at Bret's right. house? Yeah. And he has kids. Let me stretch you in the dungeon, Tiger. Yeah, but I'm saying he has kids, so that would escalate. Yes. So with that threat in the back of your mind. Right. Okay, wait a second. Like this, yep. this Stone Cold, he needs to be taken care of. The faces need to kick his ass. Yep. So I overall yeah. think that it was a perfect way to at least like. It wasn't the first edgy thing they ever did or anything mm -hmm. like that, but it really exemplifies the direction they were headed, and it was a necessary change. That's the bottom line, right. and no pun intended there with the Austin reference, but I really think that it really helped them going into 97, and as we get into 1997, we're going to see that they really started to shake things up. And folks, we will be getting into 1997 next week, first episode of September. It'll be Labor Day, and we'll be with you to go through 1997 in the world of retro wrestling, but until that time, please follow us on Twitter if you haven't yet at OVP Podcast. You can email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. You can donate patreon.com slash OVP Podcast and join the Facebook group if you haven't yet. You can find that on Facebook at our vantage point retro wrestling podcast discussion group. But until 1997, until next week, until Labor Day, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn and we are out of here. See ya.
Friday. Where else can you see Urkel, Myrtle, and Stefan all together? Ooh, scary thought. Family matters. Then, things really get hot when Cory accidentally sets fire to the biology lab. Sean, quick, rub off your DNA. Boy meets world. And Al's got a hot date until Frank cools her off. I'm just sucking a little face. Here in Wisconsin, we do not suck. Step by step. Then Mark's putting on a talent show, and the girls think they're the stars. On Coop, it's TGIF, ABC Friday. Austin, 25-17. I will strike down upon your ass with great vengeance and furious anger.